to episode number 35 of the Third Power. As always, this is Anthony Avatolo here with my co-host, Usman Jamil. Hey, how are you doing? That's <laughs> hey, excitement. Yeah, that's, you get some real excitement. And uh, this week we're here to talk about, of course, uh, the Dragon's Maze and figure out how it impacts uh, our cube. We're going to see uh, lots of multicolor cards and... We're going to stack them up against what we've gotten so far because we've just had two uh, pretty good multicolor sets uh, right in a row. So we'll see if uh, the, the old maze has anything to offer. Yep. I, I got nothing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you set. There we go. <laughs> well, for those of you, uh, now it looks like now, I, I haven't had a, I didn't have a chance to go to a pre-release, but real quick this weekend, there seems to be a lot of strange stuff going on with uh, promos and things like that. Um, from more reports that we're seeing, uh, you know, there was a report coming from some of the European countries that there were foil shock lands being sent out instead of, uh, in the, uh, guild packs instead of the guild card. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so you would actually, you would open, like, your guild pack, guild pack, and instead of getting your pre-release card, you would get a foil shock land instead. Uh, from whichever set it came from. And so then you could go to the front counter and basically say, hey, I got a foil shockland. Can I actually have my guild leader or guild card that I'm supposed to have? Uh, and they'll ship it to you. So not only that, but there was also apparently a Modern Masters card found in one of the packs, in some of the packages. Oh, yeah, the, the Aether Spellbomb or whatever. Aether Spellbomb with a... Uh, uh, with a, a logo. Um, and then there's also, uh, apparently, there some of the promo material sent out contained judge promos. Now, we're not entirely sure how uh, real or fake these are. I was looking at some pictures earlier, and they seem to be mostly real. Um, but one of them has real big impact uh, on, the cube, on the pimping cube community, the cube pimping community. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, show and tell. Uh, with the uh, Magic the Gathering online uh, artwork. So there will be a foil one of those around. Apparently there was another Vindicate with, uh, it's got Soren uh, on there, right? Yeah, like it's, I, I couldn't really tell too much of the art, but yeah, it had like Soren in the flavor text talking about, I don't know, being dark or something. <laughs> there's something about you turning to dust and I've been around forever and there's like people turning to dust on it. And then there was a uh, Overwhelming Forces which is uh, an EDH All-Star, uh, probably a little too expensive for actual uh, aggressive supported cubes, but that card's pretty big game if you can uh, resolve it, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, the, But the show-and-tell is the real exciting part. Uh, I don't know if it's actually going to help the prices out at all, but you know, it's, it'll definitely motivate me to possibly include it um, if I can get myself a nice premium copy of it rather than 
Just I, wonder how, I wonder how much Judge Vindicates are. I would guess a lot. Well, you know, there, there are, that, that's the one I don't understand, is that, you know, we've already had a Judge Vindicate, so why is there another one? That's a little confusing to me. Yeah, and there aren't many cards with double, and they're both Judge promos, like the old right. old Judge promo for Vindicate's also a Judge promo. Yes, correct. Yeah, because that's the one I have in mind with a Gerard and, you know, plunging the sword into the earth or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, is that Gerard? I, I think so. I don't know. It kind of looks like Gerard to me. Huh. I was not, thought it was just not Fabiano. Some... Yeah, I was about to say, I thought it was just some dude. Oh, I always just assumed it was Gerard, because since it came from a Gerard set originally. Hmm. I mean, I maybe I uh, maybe I'm crazy. I mean, that's entirely possible. I... I was just kind of assumed that it was. Maybe I, I need to look at my cards a little bit more closely. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Right, right, right. The grand scheme of things, we're uh, going off the rails here. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is just some dude. I don't know. You're right. He's got, like, a mask on or something. I don't know. All right. Never mind. I'm crazy. So, okay. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and, uh, like we begin every episode, let's go ahead and do a cube crack-a-pack. So, uh, tonight we'll be using my cube. Um, we've got uh, I've got some... A couple of the cards from the new set seated into my cube already oh, nice. uh, that we that I'm pretty much planning on including to, to give a test run. Uh, so we'll we'll see if any of them comes up. All right, here we go. So and my cube, by the way, five forty ish, five sixty ish, unpowered. Here we go. Card number one is hey Gerard's verdict. Wow, that one has Gerard on it. That's true. Yeah, I was actually reading about the story about Gerard and Crovax actually earlier today. It was oh, okay. it was interesting, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Card number two is Wasteland. Wow. Card number three is Rakdos Carnarium. The black red bounce land. Card number four is Gifts Given. Oh, jeez. Well, this is easy. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a pretty good pack here so far. Uh, card number five is Deathrite Shaman. Card number six is Swords to Plowshares. Wow. It's a pretty powerful pack. That is a pretty nice pack. Card number seven is Bogarden Hellkite. All right. Card number eight is Searing Spear. Card number nine is, hey, there you go. It's Aetherling. Wow, there you go. Aetherling, Aetherling, Aetherling. Probably Aetherling. Yeah. Number ten is Somberwald Sage. Number eleven is another green card, Regrowth. Oh, recently uh, unrestricted and vintage. Yep, yep. Get your Regrowth, ladies and gentlemen. Card number 12, and uh, this will be my pick, by the way. You don't have to follow these rules. Umazawa's Jitta. Oh, there we go. <laughs> don't have a say in the matter here. Uh, number 13 is Fauna Shaman. Number 14 is Sacred Foundry. And last but not least, Wall of Denial. Huh. Just a river in Egypt, boys. <laughs> nice. 
So as constricted as I am, I am going to go ahead and make my official choice, which is Umazawa's Jitta. For those of you who do not know and have drafted my cube, it is mandatory first pick. If you open it, you're drafting it, because in the history of drafting, way too many people have passed this card and summarily and consequently lost to it <laughs> all the time. So as a little caveat in my cube, you cannot pass it. However, people like uh, <laughs> has it ever been where multiple people have forgotten about it, and like somebody who is in the know finds out? Like, has that happened before? Or is, oh, it usually, it, is it usually caught pretty quickly? It tried to happen at the Invitational when when I drafted there. Someone tried to. They're like, I didn't see where it said pick me first. I'm like, no, it only says there on letters on the card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ben Weinberg tried to pe- tried to pass it, so he got it thrown back at his head. <laughs> All right, so Umazawa's Jitta, for me, that would be my first pick, obviously. Uh, let's go with your first pick, and then I'll tell you what would, I'll uh, devise my opinion for what would what I would pick if it wasn't Jitta. I, I don't know, I've never actually played Gifts Given, but I hear that card is just, like, really dumb. Uh, yes. All right. Correct. <laughs> it, it is certainly dumb. Um, it's almost, it, it's approaching... Power level where it's almost not fun, uh, because a lot of times it, it serves a lot of different purposes. Sometimes it's just like a quad extract. Um, sometimes it's a you know, I mean, well, it's, you know, most of the time it's a quad extract. Uh, sometimes it's getting whatever cards you need out of their deck. Sometimes you get to play mind games with it. Uh, you know, if they have artifacts, you can always find cards, even if they're completely opposite. Uh, where you are, you can grab it. Uh, you can grab, you know, lands for it. There's all kinds of uses for it. It's uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. The thing you have to be careful, though, is that the cards you, you know, don't get go into their graveyard. So uh, you have to be careful you're not enabling their reanimation shenanigans. But hopefully you should know that by looking through their deck and seeing if they're reanimator. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, worse things have happened. That's true. So... All right, so yeah, Gifts Given's real strong here. I also like that it's like really the only white card, or the only blue card in the pack. Rather, um, I do oh, like yeah. kind of being able to uh, cut that for the most part. You may have Wall of Denial, but that's not just you know strict blue. Oh, there's a uh, there's Aetherling. Oh right, there's Aetherling too. Sorry, I was tucked under there. But you know, I'm not taking Aetherling over Gifts Given. No, same same here. Um, but I got to tell you, a card that I have been impressed with it has been a Somber Walt Sage. Uh, it's really hard to suffer that guy to live because, you know, bad things are going to happen and bad things have happened when uh, untapping with it. And as I move my cube in the direction of more of green being a ramp color and away from just green being a hyper-aggressive color, um, I have a feeling it's going to pick up even more so in value. Yeah, it seems like when you let that guy untap, things are ugly. Right, right. They're just right. They're just certain creatures you just can't afford to let people untap with. And as innocuous looking as this guy is, he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially when you have your opening uh, and you have, let's see, three, four, five, seven mana available on turn three. Or four, yeah. Oh, yeah, with a mana elf, yeah. Right, you know, turn one elf, turn two somber world sage, turn three mm, prime time. Yeah, or Elish Norn. Elish Norn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, things, uh, things can get ugly quick, so. 
Now my somber wall changes the two three. <laughs> All right. But yeah, but this uh, right, get the beat, get your beat on. But the uh, but there's some other solid picks in this pack too. Like obviously, like Swords of Plowshares a lot, Wasteland solid, like Gerard's Verdict. But yeah, hopefully with that uh, Jitta first pick, you know, we'll see what develops after that. But I would expect that unless someone opens up something really nifty, uh, it, it, Gerard's Verdict is a card that tables often uh, and probably shouldn't. I think it's a an undervalued black-white card most of the time uh, that really helps push that archetype. Uh, it's so two, it's two cards for two, stuff. which is, like, without a drawback, which is really nice, too. Like, you have him and... What's it? You have Wrench Mind, I guess. But yeah, I don't know if many cubes play Wrench Mind. It's, it's, it was solid when I played it, but... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Jarrah's Verdict is definitely, like, big upgrade over that. And in case you're wondering, a Heart of Light and a Soul of Darkness cannot coexist. Is that flavor text? That's the flavor text on the FNM uh, Gerard's Verdict. Oh, is that the one where Gerard and Crobax are fighting or whatever? Yes. Isn't that, apparently, like, cuts him in two or something, as I found out today. Right, right, right. Like, Sorry, you just read, all, you read up about that today. Mm-hmm. Very topical. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our content here, our main topic, which is, of course... Dragon's Maze. Dragon's Maze. <laughs> I don't know anything about the storyline, but who, who Dragon? Is it? Is I, I it? Think it's is it? Yeah. So then, why? Like, why is he in charge of? I don't know. I'm not caught up on the storyline. Why is he in charge I, of things? And I think I read about it on Reddit a couple days ago. I think like, like I think Niv Mizzet was like reading. They discovered some maze or something, and it was supposed to be like the to unlock the power or something. I don't know. Apparently, it's supposed to save Ravnica or something. Like, you remember how, like, in the old Ravnica, I mean, in the um, Return Ravnica gate crash, the flavor text for the guild's gate said something like... Yeah, they're going to crash or destroy or something like that. Yeah, like, the guilds of Ravnica will destroy themselves. And I think, like, in Dragon's Maze, because, like, the the guild gates are different, like, they're zoomed out, and I, I, don't, uh-huh. look, I don't know if they look really that good. But, like, they have different flavor texts, and something like, unless they work together and reform the guild pack or something. I don't know. I haven't paid much attention, but something like that. Well, lovely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds fascinating. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, all right. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, there's not a whole lot of monocolored cards. Um, once again, like, much like, uh, the last set, in which we only got, you know, uh, one or two at most. Let's uh, let's go through our monocolored cards first. How about it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, first one up is a Scion of Vitugazi, which is a uh, three white white four four, um, and it's not. It's when it's played from your hand, correct? Oh yeah, right. When it's when it when it's played it from your it hand, it and it enters the battlefield. Then you put a 1-1 flying bird creature into play and then populate. So you're getting at least 6 power for, uh, for 5 mana. Um, you're getting, uh, you know, a 4-4 four, four, and then a, at least a 1, at least two 1-1 one, one bird tokens. Um, obviously if you have other tokens on the field, you can make those instead. Um, however, I found that most tokens in the cube are of the 1-1 one, one variety. Uh, you know, there's a couple cards that you'll get a, a 3-3 elephant or maybe a 2-2 wolf or something like that, but 
I feel like most of the time you're gonna this card's gonna just net you a couple of one one birds. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so obviously comparisons here are to uh, Cloud Goat Ranger and uh, what's that other guy? The one with the vigilance. Uh, oh, Cloud or uh, Guy Stunnard Monk? Yeah, Guy Stunnard Monk, which I've liked so far. All right, so here's here's my issue with Scion of Vitugazi. While the four four body is obviously bigger than the uh, you know than Cloud Goat Ranger um, initially, or than uh, possibly the if played on an empty board, uh, the Geist Honored Monk. Um, I don't like the fact that you don't get to play shenanigans with this guy at all. Yeah. Um, there's no blink shenanigans. There's no reanimate shenanigans. There's no clone. You know, cloning some clones, not all clones, but you know, there's there's some different things that I think that uh, it, it doesn't interact favorably with in order to get those tokens. Um, I don't like that it doesn't have any sort of uh, evasion. Uh, like Cloud Goat Ranger can always go to the air, um, while Vigilance isn't evasion. It also has a higher top end for uh, Geist Honor Monk. And I don't, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure how much room there is for uh, white five-drop creatures beyond those two. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, or at least ones outside of, like, maybe that, uh, Cloud Goat, that Baneslayer Hermit Guide. Yeah, of course, Baneslayer. Yeah, I mean, Baneslayer, you know, I'm thinking, sorry, I was comparing it to, like, the other ones. And, yeah, and Karmic Guide, and I don't even run Karmic Guide at this point. I don't either, yeah. honestly. Like, it always just felt too clunky. But, you know, obviously the main slayer is uh, one to stay. You know, I, I tried uh, uh, the one that makes you make some sacrifice. You name a permanent type during your upkeep, and they everyone's got to sacrifice one of those. Oh, a world queller? Yeah, a world queller. I tried that for a while, and it was interesting. But, I wanted that uh, card to be good so bad. And then yeah. Like, I think that, like, unlike Braids, where it was like, it only worked when you untapped with it. Right. And even still, it's like, well, I guess... Uh, it's all both sacrifice enchantments and do nothing or something. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, you, you know, you you got a, a, a decent trade-in for it. But, and, you know, and obviously there were the corner cases where they would have a Planeswalker in play uh, and you didn't, and then it was real good, or, you know, like a piece of equipment in play and, and no other artifacts to go with it. Um, but the fact that it didn't trigger on their upkeep... Um, definitely put a damper on it because then they got at least a turn to try to work around it. Um, so, you know, that was a little bit of a drag, and I wound up actually replacing him with the uh, Geist-Honored Monk. Um, and I've been mostly happy with that guy. So with the Geist-Honored Monk? Yeah, he plays, he plays pretty well into that uh, the pseudo-token strategies or the, the horde strategies of uh, what the way the green, a lot of times green-white decks will play out. Um, so, you know, I take him, and then, you know, it comes with flyers. I just, you know, I, I guess I'm just not seeing a, a huge upgrade to want to replace either of the other two for this guy. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to change Cloud Goat for it. Like, Cloud Goat's just like the, kind of, it's like the bar. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was going to be a rare when it came out, but, like, or at least they, they if they could do it now, they would probably do it as a rare. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, somebody, they messed up and didn't realize how good it was. Right. But, yeah, well, you know, there's, there's been a few examples of that over the years. That's true. Like, uh, what, like a batter skull or whatever. <laughs> or batter skull and stone forge. So, yeah, sometimes they miss stuff. 
I, I don't think there's... Are there any other white cards we even want to talk about? Not really, no. Uh, I could bring up the spoiler, just to say. Yeah, I think we're good. I I feel like that's the only one that ever made a, an impact on what I was thinking, so... Yeah, I remember when... We have I'm, plenty of multicolor cards to talk about, so we should probably move on. Yeah, a bunch of it's just a bunch of junk. Like, each player sacrificed a multicolored permanent, and some other junk that nobody cares about. Yeah, it's, it's all just garbage. <laughs> uh, Aeth- Aetherling, that card... It was in our Kraken pack somehow. Yes. <laughs> they get in there. Four and so uh, serious. How does that happen? How did this happen? This is what six mana, four double blue, or four double blue for four five. Pay blue. Uh, I don't know the the full wording, but essentially blink it. Or yeah, you, well, you exile them until end of turn, right? Or, yeah, you exile it and then you bring it back at the beginning of the next end step, I believe, because mm-hmm. like uh. Yeah, return it to the battlefield under its control, owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Okay. And then you can pay it blue, and it's unblockable to land a turn. And then there's the Morphling, plus or minus one, or minus one, plus one to land a turn. Gotcha. All right. So this guy, it seems like a tailor-made for just, like, the blue control shell, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I don't know, I've been testing it a pretty decent amount since it came out, and... I've been very impressed with it. Like, you know, obviously there's only room for so many blue finishers in a cube. You don't want it to be like, you know, infinite dragons and like, oh, here's another finisher. Here's another one. Here's a, here's another, here's some more cake. <laughs> like, so, you know, obviously it's going to, you know, compete with other ones. But I, I've been pretty impressed with it so far. Like, it, it can't block flyers. That's about it. That's all I really care about. Right, and you know, the I think what time will tell as far as this guy goes, I feel like for me, because you know, as far as control finishers go, you know, sometimes they have to play defense. Um, sometimes they, you know, they're, they're even better when they get to play both. Um, but my thing is, is unlike the original Morphling, which has the ability to, um, you know, here comes a removal spell. Okay, well, you know, untargetable. Um, and it still stays on the battlefield um, to be able to do blocking duty. I don't know how often the exiling ability will matter, the fact that you can get it out of the way as a blocker. Um, I obviously don't have the answer to that question at this point. Um, but the fact that with mana available, that this guy is virtually unkillable. Yeah, and then he can, cl- he can like... Clock somebody out really fast too. Well, right. I mean, eight damage, eight unblockable damage is a lot, especially considering that you can, you know, considering if, let's say you cast him with seven mana up, um, you know, when you untap, being, I mean, you can, with that seven mana, I mean, you can get him in there for eight unblockable and still blink him back on defense and and still have a few mana left over to play with. Um, that that's the thing I think is is going to be the the real selling point of this guy is being able to play both sides of the ball basically doing it a Chuck Bednarik style playing offense and defense. But I want to see how often the exiling matters over just being able to duck removal spells. Yeah. However, it's neat that he dodges your own uh, sweepers. You know. 
Yeah, like this guy out of control. Yeah, like this guy in upheaval is, or like any wrath is just insane. Yeah, this guy in upheaval. <laughs> Blue needed more cards good with upheaval. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like okay, I guess I blink this thing out. Right. Oops. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think this is a solid. I think this is a solid ad. Um, if you're looking for another finisher, um, I'll probably as much you know. I, I do have things I like about all my other blue finishers. Um, you know, there are definitely things I like about them. But obviously, the first, I think the first two places people, if people want to replace cards, I think the first two places people are going to look are things like uh, Palancron or uh, Sphinx of Jor Isle. Yeah, and I think for for my cube, I'm just changing Jawar Isle out for that guy. And granted, he's he's more of a seven drop. Sometimes you'll just like have to run him out and just go like, well, play as a six drop, you know, YOLO or whatever. Right, right. Cross the fingers. And... Mm-hmm. It's also so, surprisingly like good against like uh, if you live that long against like maybe not the, the quick red decks, but more of like the slow ones. And I and I do wonder if like. It was made as a four-five to like get around Mizium orders. Yeah, I that's very likely. Um, and as it turns out, that gets around Wildfire as well. Yeah. As far as our, our for our purposes, it gets around uh, the big the big burn spells. Yeah, I was about to say a lot of direct damage just just goes for four damage, mm-hmm. like the flame javelins and the Chars uh, and side blast. Yeah, char side blast, and then like. The only fives I can really think of, aside from, like, Explorers or, like, Brimstone Volley. Volley. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> or, like, Chandra Nalar or something. And that's really right, it. Right, just, like, hitting it with a, with a Chandra Blast. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, uh, like, in the in the preview article, like, uh, Sam, I think it was Sam Stoddard who did it, like, talked about, like, how... It's not really meant for, like, the aggressive, you know, matchup or whatever, but more for just, like, the controlish mirrors and just be able to, like, just play them and have mana open to, like, pick some fights with counter magic, and then, like, he does resolve, then it can just, like, completely take over a game. Yep. And I've been, like, in, in testing, I've been pretty happy with it. Like, even in just, like, I'll attack for four. Well, I'll blink it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, defend with it, like... You ever get the feeling like when the opponent plays a creature and it's just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> it's like hard to quite quantify it. It's like, well, I got to deal with this stupid thing now. Like, uh, right, right. It's they they play the creature. Well, you know, it kind of reminds me. I, I felt this way during like Mirrodin, original Mirrodin constructed uh, standard. That there was a the huge part of that format was when like you your opponent or you would play Arc Slaughter. And then you're just like, okay, well, now my entire game has to revolve around not dying to this guy. Mm-hmm. Because he changed things so quickly. It was so impactful. Um, you know, like when someone plays Elishnorn. Yeah, I was just about uh, to Elishnorn or, like, Shieldred or something. It's like, well, I, right. I gotta deal with this stupid thing now. <laughs> what am I doing here? I'm Evil Titan was like that in a Standard. Uh, you know, and it's just like, ah, oh, well, here we go, you know. Change of plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You gotta turn around the you gotta turn the car around. Right. Time to time to, you know. Uh, time yeah, to make, take drastic measures. I'm pretty happy about like you know, I hadn't uh, gotten a lot of testing in with it, but I've been pretty happy with it so far. Like somebody had it in like a blue black control deck or something or or like some generic blue control deck and he played it versus kind of a uh I don't know if I'd say a big red deck, but we're just like one of those 
not aggressive, not aggressive enough to be aggressive red decks. Mm-hmm. And I asked him how it was, and he's like, it was really good. It could, like, dodge removal all day. I'm like, nice. Yes. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. All right. Speaking of being aggressive, let's move to black. Oh, yeah, that's an aggressive card. Uh, Unless, uh, yeah. Let's hear it. So, Blood Scrivener. One in a black for a 2-1 zombie. Doesn't look like a zombie. It looks more skeletal, but whatever. If you would draw... Man, I just kind of did weird half-wording, so I'll read the actual text. If you would okay. draw a card while you have no cards in hand, instead draw two cards and lose one life. And it's, a, you know, Goblin Piker stats. Two, one in a black for 2-1. All right. Thoughts? I, I really like it. Yeah, I think this card's sweet. I think it's got a relevant creature type, especially now that we have, you know, Grave grave Crawler and such uh, hanging around. Um, and uh, the the four mana, Graveborn Muse, you know, it's got some things there. Uh, it helps you not take damage when your uh, Carnophage token bites it. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, these are, you know, some of those are more corner cases than others and small things, but... Uh, I, I certainly don't think the grave crawler interaction is a small one. Uh, that's a, definitely a legitimate one. Um, but the fact of being able to just draw more cards is pretty cool. I was playing. I'm trying to remember what it was that I was. Um, I was playing with my friend uh, John Farrow's cube, and he had proxied up some of these, and uh, we were just kind of gaming some, and. You know, we, I, I would be empty-handed, and then wind up. I think we we're uh, off the topping or something like that. Not that that's an official format, but... And, and I would find myself forgetting to draw extra cards because I would have no cards in hand, and then I would cast a draw spell, and I'm like, oh, wait. I draw get one more. extra cards here. Or, you know, uh, what was it? Someone had a uh, Sylvan Library in play. Oh, how does that work with that? But yeah, how does that interaction work with... Uh Sylvan Library and, and Blood Scrivener. How, how does that how does that work? So, and now uh, well, let me let me you know let's see if I can uh, put it all together here. So, you know, Sylvan Library basically says uh, draw. You know, at the beginning of your draw step, you can draw two additional, or you do draw two additional. Uh, let me get the exact uh, word here. At the end of your draw step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards from your hand drawn this turn. Um, so you basically draw your card for the draw step, draw your second one, and then draw two more. So you actually get a little bit of extra juice from... You have to, you know, you get to put two cards back out of four as opposed to two cards back out of three. Um, it's also really nifty with Sensei's Divining Top. If you're empty-handed, hmm. They get to peel yourself, you know, you get to activate it and peel yourself two cards. Huh. Yeah, there's lots of little like corner case nifty things that you can do with it. But, you know, I like it being a two-drop. I like, you know, any card that in aggressive archetypes is going to help you draw extra cards uh, when you're hellbent is pretty nifty. Um, I feel like this guy is pretty close to an auto-include for most, you know, reasonable cube sizes. 
I think like uh, I forget there was some talk on Twitter about it. And I think I think Matt Sperling or something said like I think because people were like saying it wasn't that good. They're like, well, stop putting Grave Titans in your aggro decks, and you should be fine. Like you won't have a problem going Hellbent. Like yep, right? Because you see like. And, and, you know, I've railed against it about a thousand times on the podcast about people, like, making, like, the really the bad aggro decks where it's just, like, Savannah Lions and Mere Battlesphere dot deck or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, like when I played it, I have not had much problem getting Hellbent. It's one of those things you don't actively try to do a lot of the times unless you've got, like, a curse scroll. Like, you never actually want to go, my goal is to empty my hand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is one of those cards where I guess, and you don't really think about it too much, but, it, like, it's not very hard to do so. No, it just happens over the course of the game. Like, why do I empty your hand? Like, so maybe you don't hold on to those extra lands to bluff extra things. You just get rid of them because, you know, you, you know, put yourself in a position that if you draw certain cards that you have the ability to do. And that's going to base, you know, be based off of the way your deck plays, too. Like, if your deck has a card like this, but cards like, you know, ways for you to discard extra cards for an extra advantage. For example, something like Thirst for Knowledge or, you know, something of that nature. Like, a, you know. uh, I was going to say Lotless Troll, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like things like that. Then, you know, maybe you want to keep extra cards in your hand. Um, you know, there's extra lands in your hand. That that one doesn't matter as much, but uh, for as far as Troll goes. But, you know, you, yeah. play, how, you play how your deck, you, you play to your outs. And you play towards your deck being able to do the things that you want it to do. So uh, I think a lot of people just follow play charts a little bit too closely. Of Oh, well, I'm not supposed to play this because I'm supposed to leave cards in my hand in order to do this. And then, you know, eventually they get stuck with two lands in their hand. Um, and then, you know, they get stuck with two lands in their hand to try to bluff something. And then they draw that lethal demon fire except that they can't get Hellbent. And they get their stuff countered. So, you know, it's really easy to fall into some of those traps of, well, conventional magic play says dictate that I do this, when um, I think we've been seeing more and more cards in recent years that are trying to go against that sort of thing, to try to break those habits. I mean, think about it. That's all that, you know, look at how many habits had to be broken when uh, magic, when uh, damage no longer used a stack. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, everybody tried, you know, and the only people you were getting were the, the new players who didn't know that damage used a stack. Ha-ha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I can uh, sacrifice my tribe elder. Right, right. You know, damage on the stack and sacrifice the killer humans. I was just, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, you really only, you know, everybody knew that was coming, saw that was coming. You know, it was unintuitive, so people got rid of it, but... Okay, I'm done. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan. And besides, it, it like like we said on the pilot episode, attack for two. Yes, attacking for two is always good, especially when other stats matter. Like only having one black in the cost. Like being a zombie. Like drawing extra cards. I'm down. So, yeah. All right. In red, we have uh, a card that's getting some talk as far as cubes go, and that's Pyre Wild Shaman. Now, Pyre Wild Shaman is uh, two red, uh, so two and a red for a 3-1. It has Blood Rush for one and a red, which gives, you know, your attacking creature plus three, plus one until end of turn. 
that also comes with that whenever one or more of your creatures that you control deal combat damage to a player, if Pyrewild Shaman is in your graveyard, you can pay three colorless mana and return it to your hand. So basically, you can attack with it, you can blood rush, you know, you can blood rush it, you can get it back to your hand after it dies, or ideally you can blood rush it, get it back to blood rush it again, you know, those kind of interactions. Um, and while red is a little bit soft at three mana, um, I'm not quite convinced of this guy. Now, does it have some neato interactions? Sure, but, the, you know, those are the same interactions that Squee likely has. Um, you know, things like uh, Mastercores and Lotolith Troll and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Survival of the Fittest, Fauna Shaman. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's got those interactions, too, and its body is certainly significantly less embarrassing than uh, than Squee. However, the, the buyback is significantly more awkward because it's got two conditions instead of, oh, yeah, oh, is it your upkeep? Okay, here you go. Well, at least it's not during your upkeep. It's, it's like during combat or whatever, right? Right but, the, but right, but the two conditions now are you have to have one of your things do damage, do, do combat damage, and then you have to be able to, and then you have to have three mana to pay for it to bring it back. Um, I'm not convinced. While I see that there's some room for value here, I'm just not convinced yet with this guy. The problem I found with this guy, and, and I did some testing of it, and like I'm still unsure. Like I certainly don't think it's bad, but like the problem I found with it, at least in the aggressive red decks, and, and that's really where you, you want to be playing something like Jund or something that just seems awful. But, like, a lot of the times when I was playing this guy in, like, my aggressive red decks, I just never had the time to regrow it back. Mm-hmm. And, like, like with recursive cards, like, uh, and I don't know if I'm just drawing this parallel because that's what it was, you know, paralleled to in the article where they previewed it, but they compared it to Hammer of Bogardan. Sure. And they were, like, um... You know, that card with Hammer Bogart in, it helped you, like, you could play it for value, or you could just, like, use it to draw out, like, say if you were kind of stalled, you could just, like, redraw it and whatever. Like, I remember when my cube was a lot slower, I remember, like, Hammer Bogart in just, like, in one of those, like, where the Rocky theme was in the background, just, like, having this, like, red deck, just, like, re-bringing back Hammer and just, like, bashing somebody's skull in for the win, and he had, like, Bolas and Decree of Justice and a bunch of other stuff out, and I was still able, able to win through through Hammer Recursion. But, like, the thing is, like, with Pyrewald Shaman, the times I want to bring it back, like, I'm trying to think, I, and I think we were talking about this before recording, but, like, the times I want to bring it back are times on, like, the board is stalled, and I just want to get, eek some kind of card advantage, like, okay, I want to, uh, you know, we're both, our, um, I'm being brickwalled by a titan or, you know, a persecutor or some giant guy, and I just have mm-hmm. a bunch of 2-2s two and 3-3s, three and the stupid guy's in my graveyard, and I really just want it back, and I just can't. But it seemed right. like a lot of the times when it's just like when I was attacking, like, there were definitely times when it just, like, dealt the last three points of damage, and, but it just felt like a lot of the times that three mana was just a ton. It was a ton of mana. I was just like... Do you want to regrow this? I'm like, no, I want to play Siege Gang Commander. <laughs> right, right. Do you Raising want to play something a, afterwards or, uh, you know? 
Or like, yeah. do I wanna, or like, do I want to play this? Like, no, I'll just play Firecat or something. Like, a lot of the times I've just felt like, like three mana. It's just like, jeez, like, it, it kind of. And this is like a weird analog. Like, remember like Skin Shifter, and just like everybody, probably I don't know if we both did or maybe if I just did, we're just really happy about it. Like that one mana that you have to pay for a Skin Shifter is, it's it's not free. That's a thing. No, it, it certainly is a real cost. And just like the three mana to drop. I mean, the the, the blood rest is fine. Right, plus three, plus one. Like, yeah, that's that's okay. But just like the, the three mana to bring it back, I was just like, ah, it's like come on. Right. Um, yeah. The, the it, I I can definitely see that getting away. And and that's the thing is. You know, at some point, your guy has to deal damage to get it through. Um, and then, you know, because if you're basically, if your board's been wiped, he's not coming back. Unlike, for example, something like uh, Chandra's Phoenix, that, you know, a peeled burn spell can get you another threat back. Yeah, and I like, uh, wanted that. You know, like a Hellspark Elemental, and it's just like hanging out in the graveyard. You're like, yep, I'll, I'll deal free to you. You know, it's right. just, But yeah, it's just like... Yeah, because those are the times when you really want something to, you know, some kind of reach element like Hammer did or something like that, where you just want to go over the top. Where it's like, hey, I've got a persecutor, and I'm holding back your flame tongue, Kavu, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> didn't do anything. It's like, no. But yeah, it, it's, it, it's I, in my I feel cube. like it's close, but not quite. It's in my cube for right now. But it's proxied, and I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but, like, my initial impression is, it's not bad, but, like, I'm not blown away by it or anything. Even though, like you said, like, red threes are kind of anemic right now. Like, mm-hmm. if what, Manic Vandal, uh, Fire Imp, Crusher, Crusher, yep. uh, Crusher, uh, Chandra's Phoenix, I don't know. There's there's not a lot. Zozu, like, there, there's some. There's not, not a ton, but... Yeah, you know, I some people, I, I mean, some people still, like, cling to, like, Jaya Ballard, or, uh, I've seen, uh, Liss used to play things like Jessica, uh, or, um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, isn't Jessica a four-drop, though? Is it? I thought she was a three. Am I thinking oh. of the wrong creature? It was a three one of haste, and it could ping. I thought, it, am, I, am I thinking of the, uh, what's the other, the three mana? Oh, cunning, cunning Spark Mage? Cunning Spark I've seen that appeared in some li- appear in some lists. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm not sold. Yeah. I, I, I really, I hate to be that guy, but man, I wish it's, I wish it's regrow cost was cheaper. Like, three mana, man. In red aggro, I want to be doing a lot. Like, red base, like, red green, red white, red black. Like, I want to be doing... There's usually things that I want to do mm-hmm. and just committing that much mana. Kind of like with the level up cost, you just do a little bit of time, like, uh, you know, Dragon Lord or, something, or Student. It's like, okay, here's one, here's one, here's one. But three is just... Yeah, it's yeah just well, like a lot. I, ideally, I figure, you know, you're going to... I mean, most of the time, you're going to just play this guy as a... I mean, are you, are you playing it most of the time as a 3-1 or are you blood rushing it? I think a lot of the time I blood rushed it. I think maybe 75, okay. 25... Okay. Like, but there were times when I just was like, well, I, get, I need a dude, sure, whatever, play this guy. So I'm just trying to think on, like, on which turns are you blood rushing it? Like, are you blood rushing it, like, 
you, are you still hitting your curve like one, two, three, four, and then afterwards blood rushing it at some point, or are you like trading it like on turn three for their blocker essentially while keeping your guy on the field, or sometimes like that, yeah, or like if they had a big guy that you need to kill or something like, or trading up, in, you know, trading up into it, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the, and that's another thing too. Is just like in the early stages of the game, it, it doesn't really develop your board, which is a little awkward too. Like when you're blood rushing, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't, right. Assuming it's not a like a three three on three three, and you blood rush to be a six four. It's in, assuming it's not like that. It's just like well, you're just kind of bloodlusting or something. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like I said, I, it's in my cube right now, and I don't know how much longer it's going to last. All right, fair enough. Uh, Riot Piker, do we even want to talk about this? Two one yeah. strike has to attack if for popper. Sure. Yeah, sure. Now, you know, okay, that was easy. <laughs> Renegade was. cross. <laughs> Renegade crosses. All right, this is we're moving on to green here. All right. All oh, right, right. Uh, one in a green, one double green, so three mana for three two with evolve. Whenever Renegade crosses evolves. Put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah, I mean, so blank effect isn't gnarled mass just like I guess it's a three three. It doesn't have evolve. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not big on this guy. Yeah, like the first evolve still like the first evolve still leaves him at only three toughness and. That, that's like the problem I found was what was it? Uh, Shamble Shark. Um, it took too many evolves for it to get to a point where they didn't. It didn't just trade. They couldn't just trade up with it anyway. Yeah. Like where like you know you're like oh I have this three two we're like all right I have this two one. I'll just block your guy like mm-hmm. like I'll trade for this guy. Okay I have this four three they're like all right well I have this three two or this three one like block it or bolt it or, or do whatever else. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like this is a, a creature that, that green needs, especially considering that basically all it is is a three two evolve for three. Because let's yeah, face it, the other the, the other text might as well be blank. It's a like flavor text essentially. Right. Uh, and the yeah, last one's I'm not feeling it. Nori, it seems pretty bad. Skylasher, which was a stupid thing. One in a green for two two Flash Pro Blue Reach can't be countered. Like, really? Like, isn't Great Sable Stag enough? Like, okay. your cube needs more answers to blue. <laughs> like, so, so here's the thing. If you're finding that uh, Delver of Secrets is taking over your cube, play this guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> this guy seems to be a very obvious uh, tip of the cap towards stopping Delver decks. Yep. That's true. Very, uh, very uh, timely as well. <laughs> and as it turns out, you know, I guess he blocks a uh, Geist of Saint Traft and Standard as well. But whatever. oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Wow. Huh. Good call. So, I, I guess there's that too. But you know, it still doesn't prevent them. I mean, it doesn't. You can't Azorius charm it, but it still doesn't stop them from you know Boros charming or angeling or searing spearing it or. A variety of other things, but this seems to me to be a very obvious reaction, much like Sabo's web was to uh, Rashad and Port, or uh, Emi statue was to oh, uh, to Affinity, and it did nothing. 
Right, right. That Kotaki <laughs> was the you know the real deal and and that whole thing, but it just came a little too late. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they already banned everything. All right. Well, that's about it, I think, for the monocolor cards. Uh, so basically, we're looking at uh, the uh, zombie dude, Scrivener, and Aetherling. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe right? maybe Pyrewild Shaman. Like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rush out to buy one, but like, I don't know. I I would maybe try it, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't actually buy cards. <laughs> I don't actually have a card of it. Like it's, but yeah, it gets a shrug out of ten. So we can, right. talk, we can talk about multi multicolor. Yeah, let's do some multicolored stuff now. Let's start with might as well start with Azorius. Um, obviously, we've gotten a ton of Azorius cards recently. Uh, just in the past two blocks, we've picked up a solid three or four more of them. Um, so let's let's see if any of these can crack it. I think the closest one is uh, Lavinia of the Tenth. Um, and Lavinia of the Tenth is uh, five mana, so three blue-white, uh, for a 4-4 four, four pro-red. Uh, when Lavinia of the Tenth enters the battlefield, detain each non-land permanent your opponent controls with converted mana cost four or less. This card is big game, I think, I like against it. aggressive decks. Oh, yeah, against aggressive decks, it's just like brick wall. <laughs> Do you like I mean, it better than uh, Wall of Denial? Or well, here's the thing. It's certainly more exciting than Wall of Denial. Wall of Denial might be the most boring magic card in history. Um, I, don't know about, I don't know if I'd say the most boring. I mean, it's pretty boring. I mean, it's, you know, and granted, it's exactly what Blue-White wants. It's basically nullify their best attacker every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't remove it. Like, without killing their own guys, you really tough to remove unless you have sacrifice effects. I remember uh, when it got uh, spoiled. I remember thinking, like, isn't this pretty much like a three-mana Amazemith on a dude? Yeah. And then it's... I bought a foil pretty soon, like, right after. It's like, sweet. And, it, you know, it was in my queue for, a, for a quite a while. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it's still in mine. I mean, I, I the card does exactly what it does. I mean, it's... It fills that role, role very, very well. Um, time to think. Exactly. And But here's the other thing, I think, that uh, th- this card is virtually a hard lock. If you have any sort of blink shenanigans, uh, especially combined with, let's say, the Planeswalker Venser. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> which is in the same mana combination. This card is a is real rough for a lot of decks. Um the fact that it's pro-red stops it from being burnt out. Um, the detaining the non-land permanents, the fact that you get to detain their planeswalkers, too, uh, for a turn, oh, at least, yeah. if you don't have any... I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I, I This guy is... a girl, I, I guess, is exciting and interesting, but, man, has blue-white gotten a lot better recently. I think this yeah. probably clocks in around card, as far as in the blue-white combination, maybe around card five or six or seven, somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's um, right. And so if your cube is big enough where you have you like bigger multicolor sections, uh, certainly uh, this guy can get in there. But it's close, and like I said, it's I, I think it's certainly more interesting than... Something like Wall of Denial, even if it doesn't do as the, the same type of job. But I think it's also, this card, if you're a big uh, blue-white tempo supporter, 
I think this card's real good in that archetype. Yeah, it also shuts down mana rocks, which I like. That, that's kind of cool too. Right? Yeah, you get a you get a free turn out of shutting off their mana rocks, and you know, and you can really have fun. You know, you can play Gaddick Peak before playing this guy, and oh. all right, so none of your none of your four drops do anything or less. But oh, you cannot allow to cast four drops or more that aren't creatures. So. <laughs> I like all to, uh, actually blink him or blink her at all with uh, a, a variety of effects. It's uh, could get to be pretty neat. All and four four is not a body, you know. It's got you know four toughness. It's that's fine. It's not yeah. five toughness like we're, we we were talking about earlier with Aetherling, but four four pro red for five that that does things. That's yeah, still fine. Yeah, not terrible. So I think it's close. Yeah, I, I like it. All right, so we also have Ascended Law Mage, which is uh, two blue-white, so four mana total for a 3-2 Flying Hexproof. And uh, I mainly just put it there because it's an uncommon for, like, Peasant Cubes or whatever. Right, and that seems pretty sweet there because, I mean, let's face it, Hexproof is really dumb. Yep, as it turns out, uh, not being able to target stuff. <laughs> right, they're like, hey, let's make this Hexproof card. It shuts off their Hexproof. It's called uh, this Spotlight. And I go, wait, it only does things for... One turn? Oh. Huh. Yeah, does anybody use that card at all? Um, I had someone at a, at a standard tournament recently sided in against me, against my Geist of Saint Traps. And, uh, basically he's like, play that, alright, spend the mana to do that, alright, kill it. I'm like, Boros Charm? My guys are indestructible? Oh. <laughs> I see. Nice. Your turn. <laughs> like, alright, cool. Well, I guess Hexproof isn't so bad when it's not on, like, efficient guys, like like a, like the Hill Giant for four mana mm-hmm. with Hexproof. Like, that's fine. It's, kind of yeah, it, it's cards like it's cards like Geist of St. Traft and uh, back, in Zendikar, back in Limited when you had the 1-1 uh, the one, one can't be blocked Invisible oh, Stalker. Yeah. And you'd get, you know, you'd be playing Seal Deck and you'd get Stalker Cleaver. Yeah. And you're like, well, do you care to have an eight life per turn swing? Hope you have one of the two cards in the format that killed this. <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, eh, probably fine for uh, for non-rare cubes. What about Deputy of Acquittals? That's the, uh, it's the uh, blue-white bear um, with flash. And when it comes into play, you may bounce a creature you control. Um, I don't think it's remotely good enough for uh, rare cubes, but oh, yeah. probably for some of the non-rare cubes, I imagine it'd be pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It seems nice. Like, White Main Lion was usually fine. Like, it wasn't horrible. And, you know, just, like, getting a dude on top of it, like, the May thing is pretty huge. Right, yeah, White Main, White Main Lion was sweet and limited. I remember that guy. Yeah. But I remember, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I... I have, I'm trying to think of what, because it's not like, there's like, what, Silphine Fairy? I'm trying to think of what I have in the white-blue section, like, Death Duelist. Like, there's not a lot of insane white-blue cards, like. Do you have the one that, like, uh, pacifies their guy or whatever, taps it during their upkeep? Oh, yeah, Curse of Chains, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the one's just, like, locks something down on their upkeep. Yeah, and so, yeah, there's not, like, the pool isn't super deep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like this guy for, for Copper. Everything else I... Present, probably. Rare cube, no. Okay, fair enough. Let's uh, let's keep going. Let's go to Demir. 
stick with the Blue Guild for now. Yeah, the main one, uh, far, far and away. How do how do we usually say this? The split spells like far and ice, fire ice, like. Yeah, this is obviously intended to be far and away, kind of like that, like uh, the Tom Kid, the yeah Tom Kidman and Nicole Cruz, ha, uh, <laughs> Nicole Kidman Tom Cruise movie, far and away. Oh yeah. Tell me you like my hat, Shannon. Tell me you like my shoes. I've earned them. Well, you didn't see that movie? Had like, yeah. the, had like the Enya song in it or whatever that sounded like they were singing Far and Away? Far and Away. Well, so, someone out there. So, yeah, I worked in the movie theater when this when this movie came out. Oh, jeez. They, they, they would do, there was a, a pretty good bare-knuckle fighting scene in it with uh, a small child being the referee, and he'd be like, no doing this, no doing this, no gouging! <laughs> so, That's nice. I don't know, I, I was kind of amused by that movie. Anyway, <laughs> we'll re- reel it on back in. So, tell me about Far Away, Far, Far Away. So, so it's, uh... The Kingdom of Far, Far oh. Away! <laughs> or Grover, good year... Oh. I'm surprised they do that whole thing. <laughs> Near? Well, I guess, I guess the, the far mode is one in a blue, uh, essentially unsummon. Okay. Return charged creature to its owner's hand. And edict, target player sacrifices a creature. And you can fuse them together so you can get both your milk and cookies or something. Yeah, sure. Right, so you can bounce their small guy that's given their protect, giving them their uh, edict protection, and then honk their big guy. Yeah, it bounce their both their bird. I mean, bounce their bird, and then make them sacrifice their. I have no idea. Their, their thornling or something. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I like this card. It's a, yeah, this card seems nifty. Do you, do you remember how how dumb Jilt was? Yeah, Jolt with Kicker is so stupid. That's basically what this card is, right? I mean... Essentially, yeah. You, but you trade Shock for Edict. Bounce a guy, kill a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, and it's instant, which is nice. Because, you know, I, I remember trying Cruel Edict in my cube, and it just... The, the sorcery speed without the extra flashback just wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting pulled out. Uh, Chainer's Edict was good because you got to use it later on. Um, but this one, being instant, I think is nifty. Yeah, like, you, if you are able to fuse it together, it's, like, and I've been testing this one pretty hard as well, but, like, like the value you get if you're able to, like, fuse it is really good. Especially, mm-hmm. like, in those, like, quicker, like, more tempo-y blue-black decks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, you hear just, like, uh, sure, just get rid of two of your blockers, attack with everybody else. Right, especially, you know, I can imagine a scenario where you're playing, like, Dusk Mantle Seer on four, and then playing this on five and cracking them again, mm-hmm. uh, I, I imagine it could cause quite a bit of tempo loss for them. Yeah, it's like, well, like, uh, yeah, it's like jilt or, like, withdraw or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's just like, you just lose so much tempo, it's just like, well, I need to recover somehow. Right. And even, like, like even if you have to, like, use either mode, like, I'm not playing this in, like, my blue-red decks without access to black mana or something. But, like, even if you have to, in a blue-black deck, like, even if you're on turn, you know, you have to just do a miser's bounce their shame. Sure, yeah, when they equip their protection from your deck equipment. Yeah, or, like, like they, something's going to be bad for you, or if they, you know, 
Or like they 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 uh, cheat a giant dumb guy into play. Right. Like uh, I don't know, like a I guess a gristle brand or something or a, or, well, a I, or something. And I certainly don't think either side is embarrassing necessarily to cast on their own. Um, you know, the three mana instant speed edict. I mean, granted, we have other cards that do that now too. Um, but I certainly don't think it's embarrassing. But the the possibility of playing both of these together, I think, is the real attractive part of this. It's kind of like Mizium Orders, where it's like neither mode is really insane. Like they're both fine, but the flexibility is really nice. Like Mizium Orders or like Burst Lightning or something. Yeah, I, I like. I, I I need to find a mortars. I haven't found the foil mortars yet. Oh, I bet that would look sick in foil. Yeah, I'm betting. I'm, bet, I'm betting it's a nice one, but I, I kind of dig that card. Yeah, it's. I kind of dig. It feels feels unfair when you play it. Mm-hmm. Or overload it. When you overload it, you're like, oh man. It's like what? That's the way I feel every time I play Boros Charm. By the way, every time I play that card, I'm just like, I feel like I'm cheating. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, and it's so much. So I googled uh, Mizia Mortars on Google Image Search. Okay. And I found one of the pictures of my cube on my blog. Nifty. I'm confused. <laughs> Man, it's it's pretty good. But yeah, I um yeah, I'm I'm a fan of far far and away, like especially yeah, if you like in my cube I'm deciding between that and Tezzeret, blue black Tezzeret. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which I like better. Like I guess one of those things where you can just kinda of tinker with either, you know, to whichever sure. you really feel like. Like Is uh, that a pun? Get to tinker with blue back black tezzeret and move. Oh wow! Whoa, that's next next level. Sorry, I didn't Sorry. I didn't even need to. Do that. That's good. I like it. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Yeah, so. like, and the other the other cards are kind of terrible, like Mirko yeah, Vosk. Can Can I bring up one of them just so I can uh, put an end to to some thinking right now? Oh yeah. So so when Notion Thief first came out, so Notion Thief is uh, a two blue black for a three one flash. Uh, if an opponent would draw a card. Basically, besides the first one they draw in their draw step, instead you draw it. So basically, it's uh, plagiarize. Yeah, did, but it only works for every card after the first one. Okay, because yeah, I thought plagiarize got all of their draws. Right, it does. Okay. That's the thing. With the exception of the first one, it gets all their draws or whatever. But it was an instant. You know, where this guy, while he is certainly an instant, he's a permanent that stays in play, which means that you can get all the draws if they can't get rid of them. So. I saw lots of mentions when it first started and people going, oh, man, this card is so awesome if they have their Consecrated Sphinx in play. Doesn't that just kill you? Yes, it kills you. You don't want to play this when they have Consecrated Sphinx in play. And it's not May, right? Their draws are May. Your draws are not. So they but... just automatically kill you. What? As long as they want to make their draws, you're dead. <laughs> so, yeah, don't do that. This wow. is a public service announcement. That's, more, you know. that's insane. I remember, like, Consecrated Sphinx, I think it was the first time, I think it was one of the times I remember playing it was, like, uh, was it Adrian, you know, from uh, from Georgia? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember he had, like, I just kind of accidentally, when I was playing against him, I think I accidentally stumbled upon, like, Original Jason Consecrated Sphinx combo. Right, right. Ooh. And I was like, oh. Oh, oops. Oops, lol. I guess I draw three. Also a fine combo. That one's actually a real combo with uh, Notion Thief as well. Like, hey, party oh. draw. And by party draw, I mean I'll draw two. Whee! That's so. 
So that's kind yeah, of like, but yeah. For don't, cube, don't play this when your opponent has consecrated swings. Play. Yeah, for cube, no. Yeah, we uh, unnecessary. Far and away is the one here. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to Rectos. Or at least it seems like wait, not not nearly enough things for it to hose. It's like okay, I get your brainstorm. It's like, but there's so many cards that just is blank against. Right. Uh, also, the aforementioned uh, Sylvan Library is kind of amusing. Oh wow! Yeah. So. And you know, Jace. I mean, there, there's a bunch of very, very good cards that it blanks, but I don't know if it's worth all that trouble to get it. All right. So Rakdos actually, I think, has a few interesting ones. Um, the first one of which I think is that it's going to find the most play is Spike Jester, which is just a uh, black red three one haste. Yeah. Nice. Uh, simple. Yeah. It's a uh, Goblin Death Raiders with Trample, which nobody cared about, upgraded to Haste, which I very much care about. Right. So, I mean, this this card seems super solid, especially if you're pushing the, the black-red aggro thing, uh, then absolutely. You know, you just have to keep in mind that if you're drafting a card like this, you're going to want to pay extra attention to your mana base so you can reliably cast him. However, the fact that he's Haste means you can also cast him on turn three without being too embarrassed. Because yeah. he's still a three-power haste guy. So yeah, just that's some, the kind of thing I like about him. Give him some pants if you cast him on turn four. Put, put like a, uh, put a bone splitter on it or something. Right, 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 right. Get in there. Five on haste. So, that's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, so that guy's pretty solid. Uh, speaking of haste, there is also uh, Exava. Exava? 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 I, like I eczema? Like the thing from your skin? Yeah, I was about to say eczema. <laughs> eczema, the Bractus Blood Witch. Recto Skinwich. Um, <laughs> Recto Sandwich. Um, so, for uh, two black red, you get a 3 3 haste first strike with Unleash, and then some flavor text of all you creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters get haste. Yeah. Not yeah. first strike, haste. Yeah, you know, all those ones text. that are already in play. Maybe all of the, uh, what's the five drop Unleash from uh, Return to Ravnica? The so 5 3? 6 6 or 6 4 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What's that guy yeah, called again? Spawn of Rick's Mati or something? Spawn of Rick's Mati, right. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you know all the names of these cards. I just know what the things do. I don't know. Yeah, so I, maybe I only you, know that from watching streams. <laughs> maybe you play your Spawn of Rick's Mati afterwards. You get to bash with that too. Woo! So, here's the thing 4 4 Haste for First Strike for 4 is a very good card. Yeah, that's. A very good card. Lava Hounds is like crying in its sleep. Here's the thing. Um, how much room do you have for four-drop black-red spells and creatures in your multicolor section? Because I'm not including this over Red Cap. Nope. I'm not including this certainly over Falconrath Aristocrats. Um, there, there's a fair amount of space where or I could be convinced to, you know, especially if you want like a John the Midrange to have Olivia Voldaren in over this guy as well. And personally, you know, in my cube at least, I run a four-drop spell, which is Rare Be Gone. Uh, uh, yep. And then with, you know, with having, you know, recent additions like Cackler and uh, Dreadbore and the, even the aforementioned Spike Jester, where does this guy fit in? Girl, fit in. Skin Witch, whatever. <laughs> Skin Sandwich. Chip Witch. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, like... It's objectively a very powerful card. It's just like I, I don't have room for it. Like, what do I what do I put it? 
I mean, isn't that, like, I mentioned this earlier and, and got some, some different reactions on it. it. I feel like it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for those of us who've had our cubes for a long time. I mean, if this were like five, six years ago, oh, and yeah. this guy were printed, oh my god, I wouldn't be able to get this card fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like free, uh, definitely free Innistrad for sure. Yeah, I mean, wow. And, and it's it, it not to play. Innistrad was how long ago? Like, what, a year? Two years? A year and a half, right? That's insane. Like, <laughs> That's all right, Mr. Gats. Big game. Yeah, I, I was a little slow to, to get on that bandwagon, but, yeah, I'm not jumping off. That thing is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I, that that was another one that that I felt pretty good about when I first saw it. So. And now it's like a billion dollars. Yeah, because everyone's like in Constructor. Like, oh, wait, this guy's good and constructed, too. My bad. That's right, it says indestructible. It just doesn't say things like, you know, gets extra toughness or whatever. Indestructible means it yeah. doesn't die to wrath. Mm-hmm. It's not like it just regenerates or whatever. Nope. Just yeah, not nice. dead. Not nice. dead. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> not dead. All right, so the, well, the other, so, so once again, I feel like it's on the outside looking in. I feel like it's right around that card, maybe seven or eight um, area. I'd maybe say, um, Mike, maybe like six. But I, I don't have room for it anytime soon because I think I'm only running four. Right. And there are certainly, you know, two better four-drop creatures, if not three better four-drop creatures. Um, especially if you want to include things like uh, Terminate, Dreadbore, or uh, the, you know, Cackler or Spike Jester. I mean, yeah. So that's a lot of stuff going on there. All right, so the other card I, I wanted to bring up, because I think it's interesting, is Master of Cruelties. Um, Master of Cruelties is a five mana, so three black, red, one four, with first strike and death touch. Whenever it attacks a player and isn't blocked, that player's life total becomes one. And then Master of Cruelties assigns no combat damage. But he can, you know, it's like Highlander attacking. He can <laughs> only attack alone. <laughs> But their life total becomes one. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, I can't block him. I guess I'm dead to the black-red deck. Yeah. I wonder if he has any spells in there that deal one damage. Hmm. Or, uh, what's that, Ink Eyes? <laughs> Ninjutsu. Oh that, <laughs> that would be so sick, like Ninjutsu. Yeah. Like, attacks alone. They're like, all right, I guess I don't block him. And you're like, yeah. you're dead. You're dead, and I get your creature from your graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I get your creature, too. Let me rub some salt in that for you. There was a there was a magic thing. There was some stream I was watching. Somebody was playing Mono Red versus somebody, and they played that... I don't know. Somebody played that terrible uh, curse that, like, is a really terrible vortex that, like, hits them for one. Mm-hmm. And when the player died, the curse fell off because they were, the player was no longer there. Uh, curse of Pierced Heart or whatever? Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, it just fell off because there's no player. Yeah, it's like okay, nice. that's really comical. Yeah. But this card, this card seems really comical to me. I don't know. I'm amused by this card. It's certainly nowhere close to making it, just because of how deep things are. But yeah. once again, if this card were printed like five, six years ago, I'd be so amused. Yeah, I, I mean, if it was pre, if like pre Innistrad, I could see definitely it being like at home in like the slower black red decks, like Jundur Grixis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it could have a home there, but like. Yeah, I, I got room for this. All right, well, there's actually a couple more cards in uh, Rectus that are probably reasonable. 
right? Oh yeah, Sire of Insanity. That's that's certainly a thing. Um, right, which is the six mana guy. Right, go ahead. A six mana, six four. So Crawlworm steps. Uh, at the beginning of each player's end step, that player, each player discards his or her hand. So. Right. So you play it, and they discard their hand at the end of your turn. So. Yeah, or just we all, we all everybody pitches their hand. Right. That's what I'm saying, though. But you know, you don't care about your hand. You just played yeah. your six drop in your black red deck. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like well. But like being able to force people to play off the top of their deck for the rest of the game. Yeah. When you have a 6-4 in play and whatever else, and they don't, once again, really interesting, but not thick enough, not quite not quite good enough to make it, I don't think. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but... I think this card's going to see some constructed play. I think this card's going to see some type 2 play, but... Probably. I, I could definitely see that. And toil, right. toil and Trouble, I guess, I don't know. I'm not really... Yeah. Uh, two and a black... Uh, essentially, sign in blood. Target player two, draws draws two cards and then loses two life. And then the two in red is essentially sudden impact, which I guess I should actually look up. Right. Well, they take one. Right. Target player takes damage equal to the number of cards in their hand. Yes. Yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Deals damage equal to target player equal number of cards in that player's hand. Yeah. And then so basically, this this is at very least a six mana four damage burn spell, right? Yeah. Or, or worst two, case right? scenario, I guess, right? Or I guess two damage because they, they they draw two, right? Because right, but then they lose two life. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, so a four damage. Okay. Yeah. Once yep. again, I, I just don't know, like, while I think it's interesting, um, and, like, you know, being able to draw two cards at instance, or is it sorcery speed or instance? Well, it's sorcery. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, like, for me, that's kind of a, that's kind of a big drag. Um, I, I would want to be able to use a card like this in, like, the late game against control deck, like, during their draw phase. Like, oh, yeah. they draw, then, then bust them, so you know you're doing at least six. But this is not that card, and uh, I, once again, how can I don't know how this card would crack all of the other cards we've been talking about as far as getting it in there. I, I think it's certainly a card that's interesting for larger cubes, but I just don't see how it's going to fit in uh, in medium sized ones at all. Either. Yeah. No, no, sir. No, sorry. Uh, so next is Gruel, and well, Gruel doesn't really have much. Oh, I forgot to put that Hydra. I feel kind of stupid now. Okay. Uh, I guess, Anthony, you talk about Rurik Thar, and then I'll put that Hydra in there. All right, so uh, Rurik Thar Unbowed is, uh, I think, one of the first cards that we saw out of this set. It was one of the first previews somewhere along the line, which is a, uh, it's uh, Titan-sized. So four red-green, so six mana for a six-six. It's got Vigilance and Reach. Uh, whenever a player casts a non-creature spell... Rurik Thar deals six damage to that creature, and then attacks each turn if possible. And let's be honest, if it's got vigilance and reach, why aren't you attacking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, I gotta avoid. You know, their uh, uh, what was that white card? Condemn. Oh right, yeah. But take six damage, sucker, for casting condemn. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's true. So so like this card is this card's kind of big game. I mean, for people to take six whenever you cast a spell, 
So basically removing it costs you six life. Um, however, you don't get to cast anything yourself, but you know, you probably care less about your life total as the red green player than they do. Um, I just think it's a little too expensive for, yeah. for what red green is doing right now. Yeah. But I, but I think certainly like in a, in a larger set, a larger cube, this could find a home. This card seems ridiculous in EDH or a multiplayer cube. Oh wow! Yep. Um, like if I, you know, if I played multiplayer with my cube a lot, this guy would probably go right in because multiplayer games last longer as it is, and just to have a six life tax on every spell seems insane. So, but I, you know, I'm just not feeling it for. Uh, for for cube because not only because of the red green cards that are already in there, but I like both the green titan and the red titan I think better than than this guy, which both of them should be ostensibly easier to cast. Yeah. So uh, there's also Gruel War Chant, which is a four mana two red green enchantment. Uh, each attacking creature you control gets plus one plus zero and can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. Um, this is a very powerful effect. But four mana is just way too high to pay for it in cubes that include rares. Um, yeah. I, I think personally think Fires of Yavimai is a better attacking creature enchantment, and that doesn't even see play uh, yeah. really anymore, um, especially considering that you know, I mean, it, this thing costs four mana. However, it's not rare, though, right? It's a common or an uncommon? Yeah, it's an uncommon, which is which I was really surprised when I heard that. Well... So I think that's going to be where that card's going to find a home, if it does. Yeah. There's a Zerta Druid, a red and a green for 1-1. One, one. Tap to add a green. When it's when you tap it for mana, uh, deal one damage to all opponents. Again, it's a common, so it seems sure. like an easy popper cube inclusion. And certainly interesting in multiplayer. Oh, yeah, because all opponents. <laughs> But you yeah, can just spirit like, link it and get get down and dirty. Oh yeah, or uh, yeah, pair it up with a near hate pilgrim. Right, right, right. Near hearth pilgrim would be sweet. Yeah. All right. So tell me about this hydra. Okay, so it's a a red X red and a green for a zero zero. Uh, there you go. Enter the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters. It has double strike. It can spend a red and a red green hybrid. So you know two mana. Put a plus one plus one counter on it, but you can only do this at sorcery speed. So wait, what's the? How much does it cost to put a counter on it? Uh, two mana. It's uh, colorless, and then either a red or a green. Oh, okay. So one plus a uh, red a, green uh, hybrid. Red green hybrid. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, to be able to do it. So w- once again, while interesting, I feel like it has to be probably fairly. Uh, you have to spend a, a good amount on here to make it do anything. Yeah, like I think at least at least make it X equals four before I'm really happy with it. Mm. Although I can certainly see, I mean, it it being an issue if you know if you cast it for let's say if you cast it on turn four and make it a two two, I mean you can untap it at the next turn and attack with it as a four four double strike. But even that seems like a ton of mana to invest on something that can just get blown up, especially considering you can only do it at sorcery speed. You just yeah. like. You know, you're like, all right, tap out to put this fourth counter on it, and they're like, bolt it. Yeah, steering spear. You're like, oh. You're like, ugh, I just wasted two turns. What am I doing? So that's that's my uh, 
I, I think that, however, the I think this is the closest of the Hydra cards we've gotten recently. Because you know, everyone's every couple of years we get one of these that pops up, and we always go, "Huh, is it good enough?" Uh, probably not. I've heard Primordial Hydra is not too bad in, I don't know, in cubes that use it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to. Well, once again, still still seems like it's on the outside looking in. For sure. So, so I don't think we really get anything out of Gruel. Um, yeah. Now, let's let's move on to possibly the deepest two-color combination in cube, which is green-white Selesnia. And... Uh, the, the the first card we see here, it's kind of, you know, when it was first spoiled, it was really kind of uh, interesting at the rarity that it was printed. Right, because it's mythic. Right, it's a mythic, and that's uh, Voice of Resurgence, which is uh, green-white 2-2, so, you know, bear for 2-2. Uh, whenever an opponent casts a spell during your turn, or when Voice of Resurgence dies, put a green-and-white elemental creature token onto the battlefield with this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. I think this card's really interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, I, I certainly think it's neat, because, I mean, if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, blue decks, for example, they're going to be casting all kinds of spells during your turn. Um, you know, this, this card is kind of, you know, if you remember the uh, a Sea Time, was it? You know, you used to try to get people for casting blue spells on your turn. Oh, yeah, like EOT Factor Fiction. Go, oh, seed time. Oh, seed time. Turn. Get an extra turn, bash you again. Uh, so I think that's interesting because it, it, it stops a lot of the shenanigans. Um, if they have an instant speed removal spell for it, you get two tokens. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, if they cast their instant speed removal at the end of, you know, at the end of your turn or whatever. Granted, I mean, that doesn't mean people are going to do it, but what it means is that you're going to force people to, if they don't want to deal with the extra token, you're going to force people to do it on their turn and, and cause a tempo loss um, while they do it. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, it could be very fun if, uh, for some god-awful reason, you had this in the same uh, deck as Mindslaver. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no, but you wouldn't be able to do it on your turn. No, all my plans are ruined. Because you can't control their turn during your turn. No. That would be sweet. Good, though. Yeah. We we got a late-night idea, and off it went. But anyway, but I think this card is certainly interesting, and I think it's worth looking at. Um, I also feel like this might be a card I... so, So here's, as far as picking this guy up, I feel like there might be a small dip soon, but I feel like this could be like a huge money card in this set. Um, yeah. If this archetype picks up and this card's worth something, because being able to have guys after, you know, post-Wrath is huge. Um, and the fact that this guy's not legendary. Mm-mm. It was supposed to be, but nope. So, you know, you can voice a resurgence, voice a resurgence, and, you know, you might be in some business. Oh, no, I'm, I'm having a, uh, did you ever see Signs? No, wasn't it? Was that an M. Night movie? Yeah, it was the M. Night movie, and at one point, you know, like, the alien's hand comes underneath the door, <laughs> and, like, she chops the fingers off of it. I'm Uh-oh. seeing cat paws reach underneath the door and try to get into the room that I'm in. Oh. 
<laughs> also, I just look over and see White Paw under the door, like, oh. pulling at it. I'm like, ah! So, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I dig this card. Um, green-white is super deep, but I think if you want to support a green-white aggressive archetype, I feel like this is one of those cards that you're probably going to have to include to try to keep your momentum going and not just roll over to something like a Wrath. It reminds me a little bit of Teague in that it kind of mm-hmm. helps shore up against, like, the stuff that could really hose your deck, like, mm-hmm. and it does, it, like, it hoses the rats, and it, it, like, it doesn't, it's not symmetrical, so it doesn't hurt you, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it, like, the fact that it survives rats is nice. Like, at first I was like, so if they wrath, you get, you get nothing, right? And I was like, no, you get a, you get a 1-1. One, one. Right. You get a guy who can grow, it's like, oh, oh. It's like Crusader of Odric, or like Beast of Burden, you know, those kinds of guys, or whatever. I was like, oh, whoa, I like this card. Right, and then, you know, if that's, you know, if they're, let's say they're wrath, you know, I can imagine a lot of scenarios where, you know, let's say you're you're on the play, you know, you have it in play. On their turn four, they wrath your board, so you have a 1-1, one, one, and then you untap and you play your Cloud Go Ranger and you bash them for five. Like, they're in a lot of trouble again really fast. Mm-hmm. Or you play, you know, your other five drop, or you play your three dudes, or you play something like that and bash them for four or five to turn after a wrath. I think, you know, th- this is a card I think that that kind of deck needs. Um, as far as what to pull out for it, phew, that one, that one, my friend, I think uh, everyone's going to have to be on their own to figure out what yeah, it is that, that they don't want. Um, because there is a very high quality of, of things going on. Uh, my first instinct would be to say something like uh, Knight of the Reliquary. Um, yeah. If you still have any, maybe any, like, uh, relics of ages past, like Loxon on Hierarch, uh, those can probably go to. Um, or uh, if, you're, if you're kind of a slower section, but you want it to be faster, maybe you can, you can get, you know, a uh, what's-his-name out of it. Uh, kick out your uh, Armada Worm or something like that. Um, yeah. But this card is... I think this card's the real deal, and I it, it's going to be real touch-and-go to see whether or not what the value of this card's going to do, because right now it's fairly high. Um, and as we've all learned, you know, Mythics always start super high right mm-hmm. now, ever since uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. They're yeah, just always infy high just to be safe. And by be safe, I mean people just jam all their money into the expensive ones so they don't miss it. But then, you know, they, most of them wind up losing a ton of their value after that. Um, I'm not quite so sure that this one is going to experience a ton of that loss, but it certainly could. Um, I'm probably not going to pick one up anytime soon, but I'm going to try not to wait too long on it. I think that this one is one I'll be okay at picking up a foil copy at, you know, 25 to 30 and if I lose, you know, ten, fifteen dollars in value on it, that's fine. But I think this, as far as this set goes, I saw someone say recently, and I think this is a good point that um, since this set doesn't have a bunch of ten dollar bills in it, you know, like the previous two sets have had a bunch of ten plus dollar bills, right? They each all had five, five uh, dual lands. Oh yeah. And then they had, and then they had, you know, some other cards because you know the value of sets for the most part stays constant. You know, each set is worth, you know. A complete set would be worth, let's say, somewhere between 130 and 150 dollars, something like that. And either you have, and you know, Future Sight was one that broke that mold. But as far as otherwise, uh, 
they'll clock in around that much. So if you don't have very many cards that are tens, you're going to have some 30s and 40s to make up the value of that set. For example, take a look at uh, the second set Ministrad block. Um, once again, why, I, I'm so embarrassed by the fact that I can't okay. think of names uh, of things when I'm talking about it. Yeah. So you look at something like Dark Ascension. By the way, nice, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here again. Uh, so you look at something like Dark Ascension, right? So Dark Ascension, you're like, oh, like, what kind of rares does it have? Well, it's got Gravecrawler and Giraffe's Messenger and, like, Hellrider, right? So maybe a, a Talia. Was it Aristocrat in... Well, it's not a rare. Oh, oh, okay. Just regular rares? So just the regular rares, you know, at one point... You know, uh, Aristocrat wasn't that much, right? Aristocrat was a fairly cheap card. Huntmaster has always been the expensive card. Uh, Soren wasn't, you know, was a little high and then it's come down. But that's because you had Messenger and Gravecrawler, which were always around 10 bucks each. And then you had like Hellrider, which, you know, kind of fluctuated, went up to 10 for a while. Now it's back down. I'm like, the, all those Messengers, like three, four dollars now. Yeah. Zero play. Grave Crawler's still around five or six. All Rider five or six. Dungeon Dice now, went up to like five bucks for a while, and now mm-hmm. it's like a buck again. Yeah, now it's like nothing. Yeah. Uh, Tali is always good. Tali, but it's still only in the three to four dollar range. Um, but now the Mythics, you know, you have a $25 Aristocrat, a $25 Huntmaster, which at one point was 35 and you know, you have Soren Lord of Innistrad, which is over 10 So that one's obviously very Mythic heavy, you know. That's where most of the value is for that small set. Um, but when you look at something like uh, Return to Ravnica, and you have, you know, five $10 bills in all the lands, you have Abrupt Decay, you have Deathrite Shaman, and even the lands aren't all $10 anymore. So you have a bunch of these cards of regular rares that are between, you know, like 8 and 15. So all the Mythics, I mean, Angel Serenity 15, Jace 10, and Sphinx's Revelation 25, and that's it. So when when you have more value in your rares, there tends to be less in your mythics. Um, you know, gay crash. You know, Domri, Obsidat, and Prime Speaker are the only ones that are retailing above ten right now. But you wow. have but you have five lands, you know, that are, are all more than ten, as well as Reckoner. You know, Reckoner at one point was thirty or something absurd like that. Uh, and that's now back down to 12. Um, so, once again, because you have all those that, that, that value in the rares, the, uncon- the mythics aren't that high. This set, the rares don't look that impressive as far as, at least right now, as far as the uh, value of things go. Uh, you're looking at, you know, the Scrivener and... I think the, the, most likely the next card we'll talk about at the top of that. But all the rare, all the value right now is in Rawls Zarek and Voice of Resurgence. How much is Rawls Zarek now? Uh, they're retailing for thirty-five right now. Jeez. And Voice is retailing for like twenty-five. So uh-huh. if if the if the, if the value of the rares start to go up, then you know most likely the value on average the value of the uh, Voice will come down. Now, we all know Ralzarek will most likely come down because all the Planeswalkers experience a, a pretty big dip um, after usually a few months after release. So where is the value going to go? Well, if it's not going to go, if it's not going into 
the rares, it might be going into this guy. So I think you need to stay on top of it. So yeah. there's my uh, there's my value tangent for you. My, my financial tangent for you. How's that? Financial tangent. I like it. All right, let's keep going. Speaking of the next card, yes. Talk Advent, about it, Advent of the Worm. One green, green, white. So four mana for an instant. Put a 5-5 five, five green trampling worm token into play. Okay. So this is a neat spell, I think. I think an instant speed 5-5 five, five trample dude is pretty cool. But? But... One, we're super deep here, right? Yeah, like, again, we're in a color combination, super, super deep. Um, I, I don't like the fact that I actually don't like the fact that it's a token. I mean, that you're like this guy, and they're like one mana repeal it, draw a card. Oh yeah. Thanks. Or when they bounce it, when they capsize it, when they do anything like that to it, it's just dead. Dead, dead. You know, it's not, oh, I'll just play it again next turn. No, actually dead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that aspect to it, too. Uh, and every time I, I read it, I feel like Advent of the Worm should be like a metal song title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do you feel that way, too? Yeah. <laughs> like, it should be on, like, an album with, like, Season of the Witch mm-hmm. and, like, uh, like King know. Diamond or something. Right, night night of the you know night, night of blood, night of souls betrayal. Yes, night of souls betrayal. <laughs> like we can come up with like a metal album of all these uh, songs. But I feel like Advent of the Worm would be. Uh, well, Hellrider, Hell, Hellrider was a Judas Priest song. Right, right, right. But yeah, we want to we want to make them make, make them up though. Oh, like but I feel like this would be one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I just once again, I think this card would be real neat if it was five six years ago. But now I'm just like, eh. And that's the strange thing. Like objectively, I think it's just it is quite a powerful card. It's just like yeah. I I don't have room for this. Absolutely, and I guess if you're in a bant deck, you can snap caster it, cast it again. Whee! But that's pretty good. But I don't know. I just feel like the green white is just way too deep for this card. Yeah. Uh, there's new armadillo cloak, which says life link. Right. Right. So you can't cast it on your opponent's creatures for the. Uh, the slow pacifism that hopefully doesn't kill you. Yeah. It's like, hey, thanks for the lifelink, brah. Now, the only reason why I like this card is because it makes me want to cast, it makes me want to play that Bant Hexproof deck in Standard. So I just want to, oh, wow. I just now want to put this on uh, Geist of St. Draft. Oh, wow, yeah? Yep. That's true. There's also Tristani Summoner, which isn't really good for regular cube, but for peasant cubes it seems... Really auto include so seven mana five right. a green and a white for a one one. Uh huh. When it enters the battlefield, put a two two knight with vigilance, three three centaur, and a four four rhino with trample uh, onto the battlefield. Okay, so this is like what was that? What was cone of dudes called? A bestial got- menace or something? <laughs> cone of dudes. Yeah, uh, I like Cone of Dudes. This is uh, this is like Cone of Dudes, but you can abuse it if you have blank effects. Mm-hmm. Or reanimated or whatever. Right. I mean, that seems kind of sweet. Yeah. I mean, this thing costs seven mana, so I'm not going near it with a ten foot pole, but it seems neat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh uh, well, here's my 
And I do like that they're not just vanillas. They're I guess they're kind of French vanilla. It's like, well, this one has vigilance, a trample. It's mm-hmm. nice. But yeah, it's just those finishers are pretty bad in common uncommon. Right. Like there's like Kalaka Worm in this. But you know, I also like the fact that I mean, isn't having a second armadillo cloak real important for those formats too? Is armadillo cloak good in those formats? I mean, I assume that it is. Am I wrong? I'm not sure. I noticed for like Popper, but like that's unfortunately like, uncommon. But I'm not sure. Peasant cubes play armadillo cloak a lot. Could be wrong, and I probably am. Yeah, like I mean, like I said, not having one. Obviously, I'm 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 speaking from a uh, uh, a place of ignorance or whatever. But I mean, armadillo cloak is a common, so yeah, that card was dumb back in the day. Oh yeah, that card is real stupid because I mean, you just literally just lose to some commons. They're like, I have this guy, and they're like, armadillo cloak attack you, and they're like, well, I can't trade with it just yet. All right, let me put this bigger guy in the man tap, and they're like, armadillo cloak it again. Here it comes. <laughs> like, well. Crap. I guess I just died now. Can't win. Especially <laughs> since, like, all the creatures in Invasion Block were just so terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a 2-2 bear. Here's this, like, some terrible protection bear or familiar or something. Yeah, Armadillo Cloak was a big game, so. That, card was, that, that was another card, you know, that was in my, uh, easily in my first iteration of the cube, you know, however many years ago that was now, 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Or whatever it was, yeah, Armadillo Cloak was big game. Card was rough. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, so moving on. Can. So we got So we got. We definitely. I think we have one real contender in there. In the uh, uh, voice. Owen. So. Owen Celestia. Yeah. 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 The 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 whatever. The uh, what's that called? Voice of Resurgence. Yeah, that card's dumb. Yeah, that card seems sweet. All right, let's move on to is it? Is it? So Ral Zarek. Two and a red, two, a blue and a red, so four mana for four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, untap target permanent, then tap another. Well, I guess I messed up the wording on that. Uh, minus two, one is, right? minus two, bolt, and deal three damage to target creature or player. And minus seven, flip five coins, uh, take an extra turn for each heads. All right, and, and it goes tap something and then untap something. Is it? Yes. Yeah, oh. tap first. Oh. Oh, well. Okay. So tap something, then untap something else. That I, You know, for how much it matters. All right, so do we really need to talk about this card? This card's sweet, and this card should be in. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Like, I, I, I remember seeing people not being not happy about it. Like, they say it, like, doesn't defend itself, or they were comparing it. Dude, it bolts things. What do you mean yeah. it doesn't defend itself? It untaps your blockers. I what guess he doesn't do anything. I don't know. I wasn't understanding this. <laughs> I mean, it just seemed like people were trying to compare it way too much to a Johnny Vengeance. I'm just like, of course not a Johnny Vengeance. Johnny right, Vengeance I mean, is stupid. Right, Johnny Vengeance is actually dumb. No, I mean, it's certainly not that card. But, however, it certainly defends itself. I mean, it bolts and it untaps your guys. Uh, it untaps blockers. It's not like something like Starkin Ball that actually doesn't protect itself. Mm-hmm. Um, this one certainly has two modes that have one which directly does it, and the second one which can do it too. So, yeah, and it also plays good offensively as well because you know you may be able to do something like activate an ability on your creature, then untap it to attack with it while uh, you know tapping one of their blockers or you know whatever you want to do, and uh, 
may or may not have happened on one of the uh, videos on, on Star City the other day where uh, Jerry may or may not have flipped five heads on camera. Ah! Are they a recording? Wow. Thanks for the wow. turns. Wow. I like it. Yeah, so this guy just should be an automatic inclusion because like, Red's not that deep. Yeah, and even, like, at its worst, and this is kind of what I figured at first when I first saw him, it's like, so, you know Staggershock? Right. It, like, deals two, and then it rebounds. Like, I was like, this guy's pretty much stagger bolts. You know, it's just a Staggershock deal, do it twice, and that seems like a bad, like a worst-case scenario, or they just kill it, and then it's like, well, why are you playing it when it could die? <laughs> right, and and then and if you, you play, goofed. right, well, if you and also too, if you know, if you play something like Power Cube, uh, where you're playing things like your Grim Monoliths and your uh, like mana, mana Vaults and uh, uh, things like that, I mean, how insane is just untapping that? Yeah, I had like, I had an opponent who was playing with Mono Red Splashing Blue for that guy. He kept my Mana Vault tapped with Browser, like. Like no, that's not cool. <laughs> Stop it! Like, Stop no. doing that. And even like, even like in the blue, like more controlly decks, like even still, it's like a kind of a mana rock in a way. Like, and if you're untapping things like Gilded Lotus or something, it's like, oh god, right? That's just dumb. But yeah, right, I'm a right. big fan. Like, yeah, this card's real good. Put it in. Yeah. Uh, most likely, I don't think it's going to see a ton of constructed play. So you can probably wait a fair amount of time of picking up, picking it up, because um, even though Jace saw a ton of constructed play, Jace, you know, uh, most recent iteration, Jace Four, uh, it is you know a fraction of what it was. So if you have a little bit of patience, I, I think you'll be certainly well rewarded and, and without having to pay through the nose. Like right now, retail foil copies are like eighty or something absurd like that. There's no way well, I'm getting eighty for this anytime. 80. Well, Ralph's Eric. Right. Jeez. No, thank you. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Turn and burn. Turn and burn. That was, uh, I think it was Flores' first preview. And they always try to make his previews really, really juice. So, another split card. Two and a blue. Turn target dude. Turn target creature into an 0-1 red weird creature with no abilities. Like weird, like strange? I guess, like, or like Delectro or something, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one in a red shock. Okay. So, and then you confuse it. So basically, for yeah. you can five mana, remove anything, and not worry about it. All right, so, so here's another public service announcement number two that I've seen discussed online. Uh-oh. Do not cast this fused on your opponent's Angel of Serenity unless... <laughs> They have targeted all their own creatures in the graveyard. Oh wow! Just saying. Wow. Were people the like saying you know. that is like a reason to play it? Like, yep. The more you know. Wow. Yeah, because don't you you just like get nothing back, right? Correct. It's an, it doesn't it's an have any abilities. An old one with like no. Wow. <laughs> However, I think it's kind of neat. I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I Snake Form was a card that I, I ran for quite a while. Um, and, you know, the first first portion of this is a harder-to-catch Snake Form, basically, that you don't get to draw a card. Yeah, as we'll say, a cantripless uh, Snake Form. Right, and, e- and even that's slightly harder to cast because you can't do it with green mana. 
Did uh, Snake Farm turn into an 0-1 or a 1-1, though? I believe it's... I guess it could... Maybe it is a 1-1. It's been a long time since I've played that card. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, it, it preserves pretty much the same function. It's a 1-1. Yeah. So I guess it kills your... Well, let's be honest. How many how many 1-1 creatures are you dealing with in cube? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... And so, like, the first so the first one's not without function. The second part is certainly not without function. I mean, one red for a shock is, is kind of embarrassing when it comes down to it. But having a five-mana kill-anything removal spell is pretty good. Yeah, and just being able to, like, or, like, spread that out, kind of like Agony Warp, being able to right. just, like... Or the aforementioned, uh... Jilt. Jilt. That's true. Yeah, just, like, turn this guy into a thing... And, Especially uh, during combat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like mid-combat, I can imagine some combat being pretty ugly with it. Like, turn this into a thing. Oh, and this guy dies too, sure. Right. So two for one you effectively. Yeah. It seems like... I definitely like Far and Away a good amount more. Same. I like... And it feels like with a lot of the Izzet cards, like, they're all... The ones that I have in my cube are just kind of like with the exception of Raul Zarek, they're all kind of, like, on a similar power level, like, Fire Ice, uh, Electro, or, the, like, kind of the big three or the big four, uh, Fire Ice, Is It Charm, Electrolyze, Prophetic Bolts, they're all, I, I feel like they're kind of, like, on a similar power level, mm-hmm. and I could go with, you know, like, if I had to choose between any of them in a red-blue deck, I'd probably say either is fine, and, like, I think Raul Zarek's a good amount above those, and I'm not sure where Turn and Burn would fit in there, or if it would just be below those. Initial impression, below? Yeah, I feel like slightly below. Um, I feel like I'd want all of those cards that you mentioned before I'd want this one. Um, but I'm not convinced there may be too many more after those that I would want more than this one, if that makes sense. Like that second, that third tier? Kind yeah, of that third tier. I feel like this falls in somewhere like... Tier one, I feel like, is probably Raul Zarek by himself. Yeah. Um, and and then you know, there's that tier two of like the value cards. You know, like you said, the fire ice, these possible two for ones, the fire ices, the electrolyze, the prophetic bolt. Um, they all kind of come in somewhere around there. Um, and then this one also, you know, kind of following up uh, in that same neighborhood as I guess Jilt would be. Uh, I, I think a, a bit. I probably I am guessing a bit better than Jill, um, just yeah. because of the ability to instead of it just being a tempo play of actually just killing two things um, for an extra a, mana. Oh, and it's an uncommon too, so that's Ooh, a well, that, thing for peasant cube as well. Yeah, that seems sweet then for for that sort of uh, consideration. So you know, I I feel like this is probably clocked somewhere in at five or six in sections. Yeah. Yeah, Raul Zarek, definitely. Big fan. But yeah, Raul Zarek for sure. Uh, and and put a put a pin in this one to uh, to check it out and see how it plays. It's not super yeah. exciting, but I think it's uh, it can certainly fit in with that group of uh, value spells. So. Yep. Uh, next, Orzov. And All right. Another super deep guild, in my opinion. Uh, first card, Blood Baron of Viscopa. So, five mana, three, a black and a white for a 4-4. Life link, pro-black, pro-white. 
Uh, as long as you have more than 30 life and an opponent has 10 or less, it gets plus 6, plus 6, and flying. So a bunch of flavor text, effectively. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, the, but, the, but it's kind of neat in the fact that if you're at 30 and they're at 10, it can just kill you on the next swing because it becomes a 10-10 flyer. Yeah. So basically, you know, the, the, when the water is chummed, it, uh, it'll come get you and kill you. Dude. And, of course, double protection is neat. Yeah, yeah. like a... 4-4 four, four, four lifelink with double protection. Awesome. You know, random text that most likely won't mean anything. Being at hmm. 30 or more life seems a little unrealistic. That's what that's ambitious. Um, I have... Uh, I... I I don't think there's enough room for this guy, is there? Didn't we just get Obsidat? <laughs> right. Like, isn't Obsidat just a, a sweet version of this? I mean, granted, I, I'm sure they play well together, but how many black five drops do you really need? Yeah. Or, or black white five drops, I should say. Yeah, just like how many slots are there kind of thing. Right. And, and I think this is a victim of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even cut uh, uh, Stillbirth Cavalier from my cube recently. Yeah. And yeah, that guy's only three mana. Yeah, and this guy... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Not Again, just kind of like years ago, totally would have been in love, but not not now. Yep. yep. I agree. Obsidat's aid. Obsidat's aids, yep. <laughs> three, a white and a black sorcery. Reanimate target permanent in your graveyard. And that's your graveyard, right? That's not anybody's graveyard. Yeah, unfortunately. So once again, cool. However, five mana, sorcery speed. Yeah, I like getting any permanent. So, you know, if you really need to spend it five mana to get your forest back, you can. But, you know. Yeah, it's neat to be able to go get your deed back or go get your enormous... Bolus. You know, dude back or your nigabolus and... Whatever. Make a bonus. Uh, I mean, that's all neat and stuff, but it, it just feels like a win more card to me, and I don't think there's room for it. Yeah. Uh, Tithe Drinker, a black and white for a 2-1 lifelink extort. All right. I really, do like, I, I really do like extort as a mechanic. Um, you get a lot of added value. Uh, a deck I've been playing in Standard a lot recently is a blue-white-red deck with uh, basically lots of charms and burn spells with uh, blind obedience. Oh, nice. And have just killed multiple people just by going, end of turn, Boros Charm, extort you, take five. <laughs> Unta- untap, Snapcaster, extort you, flashback, Boros Charm, extort you. Well, they would they take, what, six? So they wind up taking, you know, in in a turn cycle, they wind up taking uh, 11 damage. Jeez. I like that. So, so, you know, that's that's a thing, I guess. Um, So I do like it. I think this guy's close, but once again, I mean, really, where are we with, uh, I mean, black-white? I I think I like, in in this spot, I think I like the, uh, what's his name better, the artifact dude better. Oh, Ty Holler Scholar? Yeah, I like I like Scholar better just because of what it does. Um, I like that it's an artifact. I like Gerard's Verdict better at the yeah. two-drop spot here. Um, I don't know. It's it's neat. I like it. 
Yeah. It's certainly going to die. It's it's as a two one on turn two. I I can't see. It's almost like the extort might as well be not exist, and all it's going to do is gain two life if it gains anything at all. Yeah. So. I mean, I'll play my common queue for sure. That that thing's. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, like this and Syndic of Tides next to each other. And and, uh, whatever the pet, Kingpin's pet. Yeah, Kingpin's pet sweet too. Yeah, just. Yeah, I, I like I said, I'd rather have like Tide Hall Scholar. Speaking of, I'd rather have Tide Hall Scholar, uh, Soul Collector. Mm-hmm. One a black and a white for a two one. When it enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand, exile an instant or a sorcery. So what's the card that did that uh, in Shards Block? Was it Shards Block? The Castig- was it Castigate? No. Yeah. So yeah, Castigate, right? I thought that hit anything though, right? Well, I, I just I think people have been calling this card what is it, Castigator Mage? This guy is no cast. This guy is not. He's like a half a duress. It's like a dur. Like dur mage. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, because like at least with like cards, like if it's, if this was duress on a stick, I would just be in love. It's got like a decent body, has two power. Uh, when it dies, you don't lose it. But it's just like that's it. Just. Just instants and sorceries can't get their annoying planeswalkers. Oh, 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 what is it? It's a snap castigator mage. That's what it's called. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's there not even. Is. It's not even castigate. No. Nope. It's, uh, it's half duress. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a fan of this guy at all. Not a fan. Moving on. Moving on. We're getting down to the home stretch here. Uh, Golgari. Wow, both these cards are very good. Uh, Varols, the scar striped. That really Varols off the tongue right there. By the way, every time I see Scar Striped, I think of the Star Spangled Banner for some reason. Me too, actually. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. All right. <laughs> so one, a green and a black for a 2-2. Two, two. Sacrifice another creature. Regenerate him. Each creature in your graveyard has scavenge. Its scavenge cost is equal to its mana cost. So you want to scavenge your... Death Shadow, plus 13, plus 13, 13 for one black. Yeah, or like... Uh, your Phantom Centaur, well, it's just getting scavenged, too, for four mana. Good job. Right. Yeah, just like other... I don't know. Like, I think he's got potential. But I don't... I'm not really super enthused with him. Like, seems, seems okay. Yeah, but this is another... Once again, this is another guild that's gotten a lot of help recently, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely got, like, so much new stuff lately. Uh, Deadbridge Chant... Four, a green, a black, so six mana for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, mill yourself for ten. Beginning of your upkeep, choose a ran- card at random in your graveyard. That's always fun. If it's a creature card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. So you spend six mana to put an enchantment into play, and then have to wait a full turn for it to do something. Yep. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there also that one, isn't there a sorcery card that pernicious deeds as well? It's like oh, green, black, X. Right. Destroy all permanent, non-land permanents with uh, X or less. Yeah, and I forgot what that was called, too. Let's see if I can find that card. Yeah, I, I totally slip in my mind. But yeah, it's a, essentially pernicious deed, one shot. Uh, Gaze of Granite. Yeah, there you go. And I always thought it was like, 
that terrible enchantment that Aura is like granite grip or something or granite. Oh right, right, right. Granite grip was one of them. It was like when it enters the bat, it's like plus O plus two, and it has haste or something, or it has flash. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. get up. It was gift of granite. Yeah. Yeah, gift of granite. Now this one's, I think this one's interesting um, because unlike pernicious deed, it gets planeswalkers. Oh yeah, that's true. Because it's just every non-land, um, and we always like cards that get a little bit. However, uh, sorcery speed, deep guild. I, I feel like this might see some action in larger cubes, um, yeah. especially. I, I also feel like this card is probably picking up value if you play multiplayer cube as well. Oh yeah, uh, because of not only more targets but more uh, stuff to do. Kill that yeah, your little dog too. Right, but I think it's a, I think it's a neat spell. I think it's neat that it's about a Medusa and haha, you're all getting turned into stone idiots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all you and your planeswalkers. Are all stone. Uh-huh. Turn to stone. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's push through here. Let's push it. We're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Boros. Again, not, not anything particularly impressive in Golgari for me. Not really, no. Uh, Boros, Legion's Initiative. I think that's what it was called. Uh, white and red enchantment. Your white creatures get plus O, plus one. Red creatures get plus one, plus O. And then you can spend a red and a white... Exile Legion's Initiative. Exile all creatures you control at the beginning of the next combat. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. And those creatures gain haste until end of turn. Oh boy. It's a awkward anthem. Yeah. And it's it's an onboard trick, so you're not really surprising anybody. The anthem bonuses aren't that spectacular. Um, if it was like, if it was like red and white creatures get plus one plus zero, oh, that would just be sick. Right. But like, or if it was right, or, or they all get plus one plus one or whatever. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they could do it as plus one plus one. Like that might be pushing it, but like even if it was just like all creatures get put control get plus one plus zero, oh, that'd mm-hmm. be sick. Right. Any white and or red creatures you control get plus one plus one. Yeah. So basically, you know. uh Honor the pure. Honor the pure, but for a, changing the colorless into a red, you, the, your red creatures get the bonus too. Yeah. Probably a little bit too pushed that way. Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess there's corner cases where, you know, if you have a lot of mana at the end of a turn, you can play your big dude and then just pop this off and then attack them with it if it doesn't usually have haste. Right. right? Yeah. So what like if, a cloud if you have something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can just be like, huh, huh, huh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, a lot of the times when I'm playing, like, white-red, my creatures tend to lean towards the white side because they're a little more efficient, and, like, the, the spells go more red for, like, direct damage and burn and whatever. I don't know. Do you find that happens, or is that just... I mean, that, I mean that's certainly one way that it happens, yeah. But, like, so much, like, I think when I was testing it out, I'm like, man, this is... Like, I want my... In my aggressive decks, I want my non-creature spells to do, like, they better do some heavy lifting. Right. And this is just like, a lot of times it was just like, it just never really felt like it did enough. Like, Yeah, I dig that. I mean, also, too, it's, uh, I mean, this is definitely a card that they, they want you to play alongside something like, uh, uh, the five, the, well, or the five mana, uh, Assemble the Legion. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Wouldn't that not work, though? Because don't you just kill all your no, guys? But it's, no, but all your guys are red-white tokens. Yeah, but don't they just get exiled? Well, yeah, if you sacrifice it. Oh, Otherwise, okay. it's just a two-mana... <laughs> glorious <laughs> Anthem a, or whatever? It's just a two-mana Glorious Anthem for all your dudes. There you go. So, and, you know, your uh, Boros Reckoners are four fours. Nice. Yeah. Whatever else. Uh... So yeah, I mean, kind of interesting. Might see some, uh, might see some standard play, but uh, I, I could definitely see a world where having your dice of Saint Traps be a two-three would be interesting. Yeah. And then you know you get that you just have an onboard uh, rat dodger. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, what's next? Uh, there, there's a new lightning helix card, right? Yeah, uh, what are war war leaders helix? Uh, so it costs two white and a red instant deal for game four. No, ne- neato card. I think it's probably cost appropriately. The fact that this card costs two mana more than lightning helix to only do one more damage and gain one more life should give you an idea of how dumb lightning helix is. Mm-hmm. Which is a card that people seem to like to want to cut from their cube right now. It's very fashionable as a cut. Um, once Boros Term came out, because uh, a lot of people feel the need, and you know, we're guilty of it too. Of you know, you always compare it to things that are light costed or similar effects, um, and, and people feel as though they can't have both of those cards. Um, note: if people, you know, if people are starting to cut Lightning Helix. This card's not coming anywhere close. No, that. <laughs> yeah. So. For and then uh, well, the Tajik Blade of the Legion, but Blade of something or another. Because that's who cares what it's called. A uh, two and a white and a red, uh, indestructible, and then battalion. In other words, when it and at least two other creatures attack, it gets plus five, plus five till end of turn. Yeah, Blade of the Legion. Oh boy. Woo. Yeah, I, I'm not impressed. Like, yeah, not for cube. No. Yeah, maybe for other formats that I don't play, but not. For unlimited, he's he's just fine. Oh yeah, they, I would, yeah, he'd probably be pretty ridiculous unlimited, I would guess. But yeah, like, not not so much for cube. He's indestructible, and then sometimes he just attacks for seven. Yeah. Like here, I'll attack for attack for seven. That seems fair. Yeah. But, like, when you put him next to something like, oh, I don't know, a Johnny Vengeant, you're like, uh, what? Or even just, like, Lightning Helix. I mean, I think I'd rather have War Leaders Helix. Yeah, I think I might, too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Next. Uh, Simic. Wow, there's not much in Simic. There's a Progenitor Mimic. Okay. Uh, a four, a six mana for a blue and a green for a zero zero. Uh, you may have this enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it gains at the beginning of your upkeep. If this creature isn't a token, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of this creature. So it's pretty much just like, <laughs> it's, so it's like clone and like, you remember followed footsteps, Follow footsteps or right. Yeah, so it's essentially like those and just like, it's like, here's some peanut butter and some chocolate and there you go. Right, and it copies guys that can't be targeted too, which I think is I might think be borderline significant, right? Isn't that kind of the standard for clones, though? 
Right? Maybe. I, I guess. Let's see. To the Google Mobile. I, I mean... Phantasmal Image. Uh, I think, well, Phantasmal Image... Yeah, that doesn't target. No, that, I, guess they do, I guess none of them do target. Yeah, I think... Uh, I no. Check. I don't think... Uh, Metamorph doesn't... Uh, it's a shapeshifter. I don't I know. I, I guess I didn't realize that, that they all kind of went that way. So used to just everything targeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the ways that my guys of St. Traffs have died. It's like, yep, that doesn't target. Yep, that doesn't target. Yep, that doesn't target. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of neat, but like six mana, and you really have to have them have something pretty spicy. Or you, yeah. I mean, if they just have like, you know, three, three tokens. Yes. Yeah, beasts. I mean, we just got Prime Speaker Zagana. I'd much rather have that guy. So wait, if this copies a clone, like if it copies a token when it comes into play, does that mean it just doesn't do anything ever? Except for that it copies the creature on the battlefield, so since the clone is already something else, well, that's the it copies. But, so it's, it's like if it copies an elephant or something... It's not considered a token? Right, because it copies the creature, so it's still a card that ah. becomes the token? Because it's a copy of the creature. So it's a 3-3 three, three elephant creature that I guess is a blank card. So I guess it's like, uh, what was the centaur that's just like a 2 and a green for a centaur? Oh, Nessian Courser or whatever? Yeah. I guess it becomes okay. something like that. I guess, you know, like that. Because okay. it's still a card and not a token. Alright. Yeah, I, I'd rather find Seeker. Alright, now I think the next card I think is actually kind of interesting, uh, which is Plasm Capture. So, blue, blue, green, green, for an instant, uh, counter target spell, but at the beginning of your next pre combat main phase, add X mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool where X is the spell's converted mana cost. So, this is. Obviously, updated mana drain. Um, but now, instead of getting colorless mana, you get whatever colors you want for the spell that you, ca- that you countered. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those cards that I feel like, obviously, mana drain is ridiculous and could never be printed. I feel like if this costs three mana, that's not a card you can print either. No. I think that'd be way too powerful. I think four mana might be a little on the expensive side. Um, yeah. And I, I, am, I think I talked about, maybe not, maybe on Twitter or something, where it's just like, if I'm paying more than two mana for a counter spell just because I have to leave all that mana open, it needs to do a lot, like Cryptic or something. Mm. Or like Venser, like, it just seems like having the additional mana open, like, eight, because you telegraph it so much, it's just like, I'm not doing anything, I've got four mana. I swear, I'm good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's sometimes like when you'll see somebody with like, three islands, or, like, you know, a bunch of blue mana open, and you know they have cryptic. Uh-huh. So you just go, like, declare attacks. <laughs> they just, like, yeah. rush into yeah. it. It just feels like holding that much mana, even though, like, I'm not even a big fan of, like, a lot of the three mana counters, like Absorb or Undermine or Void Slime. It just seems like that's it's just so much mana. Like, Forbid is obviously dumb, though, and Venser and cryptic. But I don't know. I- I'm sorry. I just kind of cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, that's quite all right. I, I, this is a conversational podcast, man. We're here to have a conversation. But no, it's. I think it's neat. I just 
don't know. I feel like it, I feel like the 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 right cost for me to want to play this and have it be remotely fair is like three and a half mana or something like that. Yeah. Like the four is just rough and it's all colored mana, but this is certainly a super powerful effect. Like any sort of tempo play, you know, it's like what was the uh, not biorhythm? What was the one upwelling? You can like upwelling mana for the following turn. I mean, how how daggery is this? And let's say a control mirror or control versus uh, mid range, where you know they cast their you know they cast their four or five mana spell. You plasm capture it. You get to play your own finisher next turn, and it only costs you one or two of your own mana available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like- mean, I could see that. I could see that happening a lot. Um, and that certainly has a lot of value. And, you know, Simic is, you know, while it's definitely got some some nicer ones recently, um, I think there's some room to play at the bottom of the section, you know, around around spots, you know, five, six, seven. I think there's some room for some uh, customizability. Customization is the actual yeah. word, not customizability. Because uh, obviously you have, like, you know, the... Uh, you have, you know, Sky Swallower available, you have uh, Prime Speaker Zagana in, in the mix, and then you have, like, your obvious ones. You have your uh, Trigon All My Predator. Guys, Trigon Predator, All My Guys Become uh, Ophidians, um, you know, Spymaster. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's certainly, like, nice heavy hitters at the top, but I feel like towards this bottom you can kind of do a few different things, so... I, I'm not completely discounting it at this point, but uh, I, I, I certainly don't think there's it, it's going to break the top four of the section anytime soon. Uh-huh. I agree. And I guess other miscellaneous cards, like the triple, the tricolor splits, there's a uh, Beck and Call. Uh, of, so the green and the blue side... Uh, whenever a creature enters a battlefield this turn, you may draw a card, and then four, a white and a blue, put four birds into play, and you can fuse it. Right, so you can, for eight mana, you can draw four and get four one ones, or you can just save it for modern and play it in your elf deck and actually mm-hmm. have it do something real there. Yeah, it just, it just seems like it's, yeah, too expensive. Like, yeah, not, not feeling it. Uh, capture and release, or something like catch and release. I think it's catch, catch and release, right? Yeah. Uh, one and a red and a blue. Gain control of target permanent until end of turn. Untap it, and it gains haste until EOT. Or, or and four a red and a white. Each creature sacrifices a creature, a land, an artifact, a planeswalker, and an enchantment. Right. Sure. Why not? Once again, I think this card's real good in multiplayer. Oh, wow. Yeah? Just like permanent control, you know? I do wonder if, like, if it would have a little more discussion or more consideration if it was just the cat side. It seems like that mode might be fair. Like, it's kind of like hit and run where it's like the uh, the hit side is, is, you know, pretty solid. And Uh being able to, you know, sacrifice and then gank them for a little bit of life and then... Like, this is just, like, a threatened... Well, and it's a sorcery, too, unfortunately. Um, you right. know, in control of it, and then, you know, it's, it's an upgrade to threaten because you can just get anything. Right. 
you take the planeswalkers or their enchantments or whatever. Yeah, I still don't know if I would still play catch in. Is it though? I don't know. Yeah, that seems a little awkward. And I think uh, I, th- I think I might be more hip on this card if we didn't just get like zealous conscripts too. Yeah, because it might be a little more unique effect. Zealous uh, so good. Yeah, that's he's a uh, he doesn't mess around, man. It's a nice card. Seal seal things. Steal all the things and then attack with them all. Yeah. So, so yeah, so this one is, you know, once again, like, I was excited by the first side of it a little bit when I first saw it, because the way they spoiled it in the article was to just show the first side and talk about it piece by piece. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, okay, let me see what the second side is. And then I'm like... Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess boom, we have flavor boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Sad price is right theme. Yeah, that's just like a, yeah, but certainly like, for uh certainly for uh multiplayer it's pretty nifty, I think. Yeah. Or like EDH or whatever. Like mm-hmm. yeah, not not really a fan. And just to to, to close out uh the clue stone cycle. So these are like the, the more fair signets, I guess. So it's um artifact they're all artifacts that cost three mana. You can tap to add X or Y. So for, like, Demir, it would be blue or black. And then you spend X, Y, tap, and sacrifice it to draw a card. So for Demir, it would be blue, black, tap it, sacrifice it, draw a card. Like, only format I really care about these is is for Popper. And even, like, the mana fixing is so bad. Like, it's probably consideration. Like, especially if you're not, like, running full cycles or whatever. Like... Like, I would guess in pop for probably something like Azorius, Cluestone, would probably be fine. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> However, the, the my, my favorite part of the Cluestones by far is uh, the that someone made the uh, Blues Cluestone. Oh, yeah. It's got the Blues Clues, like, dog paw, paw print in it. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah. It was, like, on, what, Reddit or something? Yeah, I don't know. I I wound up seeing it somewhere on Twitter, but I was amused by that. So nice. Yeah, and and the art, I I really like the art on all of them. Yeah, the art's nifty. I agree with that for sure. But you know, once again, maybe these are good for non uh, non rare cubes. Uh, I I can't say that they are because I mean, we just got. I, I I personally like all of the uh, other ones better. Yeah. You know, from the first two sets. So I think they automatically fall behind those, but I guess not. I mean, I guess mana fixing is certainly not easy at the lower rarity cubes, so maybe they're they're good enough. Yeah, I'm thinking that might be. I might try for my for my popper cube. But yeah, I guess that <laughs> wraps it up. There's um, yeah, so we got a few cards. I mean, so we're looking at you know obviously like Ralzarek, uh, Blood Scrivener, Aetherling, uh, Far and Away. Um, with, you know, Tier 1.5 being, like, Voice of Resurgence, Lavinia of the Tenth, um, what else, uh, Turn and Burn, possibly, uh, Pyrewild Shaman, maybe? Yeah, a Riot Guy, Spike Jester. Oh, Spike Jester, yeah, I mean, that guy's, I, I, yeah, I can't figure it out if that guy's Tier 1 or Tier 1.5. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's also a goblin, I forgot to say. Oh, yeah, I guess that might have some applications. You can throw them at your opponent if you have a Siege Man Commander later on. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess that, had, that might have uh, a little bit of uh, 
it's extra value there. Yeah. Just a just a just a smidge. Unless of course you have like a uh, uh, a goblin theme. I think uh, personally, I think plasma capture is interesting, but you know, certainly not going to crack any of the smaller sections. So. Uh-uh. Well, well, I think it might be a little disappointing. You have to remember that this is also a small set. This yeah, is not is a nice. big set like the other two. It's only 156 cards. So. I think we got more out of it um, than uh, than what's that? Uh, I think we got more out of it than what's that card than a gate crash. I think. Yeah, gate crash was a little lackluster. I think as well. Um, However, I think there's still a couple cards in there. I mean, if, for example, um, I think I'm going to try uh, Burning Tree Emissary and see if uh, see how that guy does. Um, but yeah, it, it, and most of the I think most of the Gate Crash cards are that are, that are any good are uh, Mythic too. So yeah, and we got you know although we did get Experiment One and Boros Charm out of that so. Yeah, that's true. I think yeah, for the, I, I, I think we may wind up, yeah, like, so what, Boros Charm, Experiment 1, Boros Reckoner has been real good uh, for me, um, and then you have, what, Aurelia's Fury, Duskmantle Seer, Obsidat, uh, and maybe a Prime Speaker Zagana, but that's from a, coming from a big set. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, might, it may wind up being a similar amount of cards for a set that's uh, a portion of the size, so. Yeah. And then hopefully in M14 or whatever, there'll be some be some goodness. So, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad we got through all that. Yeah, that was... That was feels sweet. good. That yeah. feels good, man. Yeah. Well, cool. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, there there's some, certainly some gems to look for. But like I said, be careful when, when picking up your cards. And if you're one of those people who like to wait, kind of keep an eye on the values and see uh, see how they're starting to break. Um, and then and then plan accordingly because it's it's often nowadays it's real rare for a set to be worth uh, significantly more or less than others of similar size. So that's true. Yeah, especially like Rawls Eric. I think yeah, that's definitely one. Right. Like you know, for example, you know, if no cards in this set are worth anything, then Rawls Eric might be a thirty-five dollar card, might be a forty-dollar card, just because the, the packs have to be worth. You know the amount. You know they they have to be worth something. Mm-hmm. It won't be like this. And if the set's worth nothing, and you know it goes off of the whole moto thing as well, the uh, redemptions. If the set's not worth anything, the people aren't going to turn in. People aren't going to redeem sets, which means there are going to be less copies floating around, which means the price is going to go up. Yeah, it'd be like uh, I think, especially if like people, there's like cards people discover or something maybe like later on. Right. Always possible. Always yeah. possible. So, all right, man. Well, hey, well, thanks for uh, getting together and doing this. I'm glad we got a chance to do it in a timely fashion and get it out there even before the uh, general release. Yeah, that's true. Before uh, yeah, before the actual... Before the street date. So, well, we'll hopefully it'll get to you guys here. Uh, you know, by the time the uh, by the time it drops, we'll we'll see what we can do to, to put it together and uh, and get it into your... Hands, ears, iPods. There you go. <laughs> into Where your you into your data. Yeah. Into your data. That's a, that sounds weird. Okay. It does sound a little weird. <laughs> oh well, it's all good. All okay, right. Man, well, so, do you want to uh, tell people uh, where they can find you? I, uh, so I write for Star City every I guess every other Monday. 
write cube articles about, I don't know, about designing cubes and, and whatnot. No way. You write about cube? I, this is a, this is shocking knowledge. I know. <laughs> and I post on Twitter as Usman. about bad soda. Should say, hey, don't drink burdock and dandelion soda because it tastes terrible. Right, or hemlock soda. You should stay away from that stuff too. <laughs> what is that? I mean, Archimedes wouldn't seem to be a, a, a big fan of it. Was it was hemlock soda? What's, what's that? <laughs> was it Archimedes who did? I'm trying to think. Uh, no, it was Socrates. He's the one who drank the hemlock. <laughs> what is hemlock? You don't know what hemlock is? No. It's, uh, it's a poisonous plant. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, from, from my understanding, that's how, uh, at least in, in my, in my brain has it filed as, uh, Socrates, that's that's the way he died. Was was he drank uh, hemlock? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how he's executed. So. Wow, that sucks. That's pretty. That's pretty lame way to go. Wow. So yeah, so don't drink that soda. I'll try not to drink uh, poisonous soda. <laughs> good, good advice. Solid. Solid. The more you know. <laughs> you need a little chime. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> there you go. Don't drink hemlock soda. Don't play Notion Thief when your opponent has <laughs> consequences. <That's good> <laughs> Don't uh, turn and burn your opponent's angel serenity. Yep, yep, yep. All sage advice. <laughs> and did I say I post on Twitter as Usman on the Rad? You just did. Oh, well, there you go. Hey, speaking right. of which, have you looked to see what your Twitter account is worth? Uh, I don't know, probably like a dollar or something. No, no, no. There's a, there's just like a website. It's like a, a it tells you like the value of your Twitter account based on like your followers and how many tweets and all stuff like that. Uh, I'll have to see if I can find the link again. Um, I think it said your Twitter account was worth on the average somewhere around like uh, $420 or something like that. Jeez. Yeah. I don't want to sell it. I don't want to sell my Twitter account. Hey, who, wants, who wants it? Hey, Daddy, want needs, Daddy needs some hemlock soda. Daddy needs some hemlock soda. <laughs> there you go. That's fair. All right, and let's see, uh, and I guess you guys can find me. I write for uh, LegitMTG.com, uh, for Cube articles and Cube reviews uh, for them. Uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at Antony42. Uh, that's pretty much me everywhere as well. If it's Antony42, it's probably me. Um, and then, of course, you can go to the blog as well. Yeah, uh, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com. All right. Well, outstanding. It sounds like uh, we only have one thing left to do here. That's correct. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Dragon's Maze. Ten guilds, one destination. Have a great time, you guys. Hope you enjoyed your pre-release. And uh hope we get some nice uh, cube cards out of this one. Hope they play as well as they look. Yeah, that's true. Cool, man. All right, All right. see you next time.